Ah, so I hate myself for doing this. I Why? really hate myself for doing this, but I want to, I'm, I'm here with my buddy, Steve, Jonathan Rummelsberg, Steven, Jonathan Rummelsberg to respond to white rapper, Michael Lofton. And you have to understand, um, this is a, a, a kind of reverse Eureka moment for me. Congratulations, universe, you win. Because this white rapper, Michael Lofton, built his YouTube channel, view after view, by doing sophistical response videos to myself and one other person, primarily. It's like, to put it in Ebonics or whatever, it's like he dissed me on wax, like the smaller rapper, to, 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 to gain a platform and an audience. And he, he did it for three years. He was dissing me on, on wax and Taylor Marshall. And then you're like, normally you just ignore these uh, ankle biters, you know, or, or rappers of all color. <laughs> uh, you're supposed to ignore them, but... I mean, he's grown his platform large enough and he was loudly, voluminously celebrating the and really, really, really harshly going at the the demotion of Bishop Joseph Strickland last week and the week before that. So um, we, we have to respond. So I'm here with, with Stephen Jonathan Rummelsberg, who put together a nine minute clip. What's up, Steve? Responding to hey, uh, to Eminem or whatever, uh, House of Pain. <laughs> What's up, Steve? Yeah, your video was good. And thank you for being respectful of the viewer's time. Nine minutes. Boom, done. We won't be that quick today. But Stephen Jonathan Rummelsberg, you have a channel called City of Truth. You're one of my oldest friends in Catholicism, and uh, both, both uh, the age of the man and the friendship. And, uh, <laughs> and I know I'm we've been friends. Figure. We've been friends together for a long time since anyone knew who either of us were. So That's you right. put two and with you. I, I I would like to make a harmonious video to and with you today. Um, thanks for being here. Everyone go check out City of Truth. It's an amazing channel. Did a great nine minute video. I highlighted on Twitter. I've just put all three three clips of your video response to uh, Michael Loftog Lofton. Mm -hmm. uh and they're, they're really good so i wanted to uh play them in fast time today on the show and then you and i can discuss them that it'll be a longer show ironically as i'm making fun of uh the lizoff dogs content right. itself but he always does three to four minute uh hour videos yeah i Super hate myself for doing this yeah. but yeah, by yeah. The way. thanks steve i don't hate you for doing this and i'm glad to be here with you tim and here we are well, I mean, you know what I mean, though. You get what I'm saying. The guy, oh, and it's totally. not just me and Taylor. Me and Taylor Marshall were the main uh, ways that this guy really grifted his way into having hearts and minds listening to what he's saying. Um, yeah. I will say it is report. It's widely reported that he is a divorced and remarried, right? Cheering. On, he's changed religions at at least three or four times, I think more than that, over the last decade, he is spastic, okay? Mm -hmm. So he, I think he was at first bothered by Amoris Laetitia. The main thing that marks this Francis pontificate is uh, divorced for uh, communion for civilly divorced or remarried. And it, this has to be at least considered a conflict of interest if, if it's true that 
Lofton is a divorced and remarried. So we have a lot of different angles on this, but the point is he made a number of videos cheering on the demotion of Bishop Strickland, who in my estimation um, is, is was the holiest bishop in the Roman Catholic Church, the holiest man, judging by track record, voting record, uh, physiognomy. The man has the physiognomy of of a champ. I believe I'm a big time believer in physiognomy. You can tell. You could let this guy stay at your house, right, with your with your kids, uh, you know, and and not worry about a thing. Yeah, I don't I don't say that for most of the bishops. Okay, sure. I would not. I in all seriousness, I would not let them stay at my house. I might dine with them at a restaurant, but. There, there's too bad a track record there. Strickland is the holiest bishop. Now he's demoted. Lofton couldn't cheer harder. And Steve, you really took him on in the best terms I've heard. Other other guys have been put down by Lofton, like Brian Holdsworth and Kennedy Hall and even Scott Hahn. But mm-hmm. um, really, Strickland was in his moment of need and was being, in my view, really kicked while he's down by this guy. And it's it's just pure sophistry. So today you're going to help us define for the audience what sophistry is, but I, I want to give you a, a, just an opening crack at this thing. Yeah. I had, uh, I, I didn't know what you just, all that you just told me about Michael Lofton. I didn't know. I hadn't even heard of the guy until last week. And he yeah. just showed up on my, my screen with that really, really grotesque video. Uh, is Bishop Strickland a city of a contest? You know, that alone is so misleading, but I think something overarching that will show that Michael Lofton's a sophist is you watch this roller coaster of his opinion changing, and he claims it changes with the evidence. And if that's true, this this is not relative to true reason or true theology in any way because those things are permanent. They're they're about permanent principles. But I'm really kind of horrified at his willingness to abuse speech the way he does in a manner that really appears to be arrogant. He he really, I, I, I believe he's sincere as the day is long for how much he believes in himself. Uh, but believing in yourself is not the standard for truth. And he says things that are wildly off base. And so, so I think it's important that all the people that are following him are at least considering both sides of the issue, which he pretends to do, but doesn't do at all. The most important thing you said in your video was that in our age of relativism, which we, we stopped talking about when, when Benedict retired or was forced out or whatever happened, um, after Benedict, we no longer talk about this as the age of relativism. And under Pope Francis, number 266, relativism has been enshrined. And, that, and, and you said in your video, I, I want to play actually the entire thing in three clips, but mm-hmm. the most important moment in your video that um, reminded me, I need to start talking about this more with my audience. It's going to become a main theme with the parish mm-hmm. orphans and retrogrades out there. Like, subscribe, click the notification bell for this video, people. Is um, that in an age of relativism, the sophist will be confused for the philosopher, the lover of truth, and the philosopher will be confused for the sophist. Now, what? just quick definition, working definition. What is a sophist, Steve, and why will he be confused in an age of relativism for the philosopher? This is what Lofton is. Oh, he, oh, he is most certainly a sophist. A sophist is simply one. Another A synonym is relativist. But a sophist is simply one who finds himself wise 
and makes the worst argument the better argument. So yeah. he inverts the order of reality to operate as if his own lives are the highest way of knowing. And that that really encapsulates the, this uh, the commentary that Michael makes. Now, the historical significance, paratroopers and retrogrades, of sophistry is it's in, inextricably lined up with the birth date of Western philosophy in Athens. So the Athenian sophists, like Alcibiades and the, there's a Glaucon, uh, not Glaucon, uh, Alcibiades is the most famous of the sophists, would go around the Agora in Athens um, taking money from the aristocrats to teach to make any argument look like the correct argument uh true arguments we can help you bulwark them false arguments will help you make them look true and they would take money from the sons of usually senators in the agora of athens to make it sound correct this is uh the beginning of socrates and socratic philosophy not a particularly important systematic philosopher, aside from the fact that he was the teacher to Plato. Plato was mainly only important as he was the teacher to Aristotle. But uh, so, so he begins that lineage and Socrates never wrote a thing, would go around the agora responding to the sophists and showing the people that were, were gathered in the crowd around the caucusing sophists. They would kind of stand on a soapbox and be teaching for money teaching how to make uh, wrong arguments right basically how to contradict the principle of non-contradiction which is relativism to say that a can be itself and it can be a prime it's opposite at the same time i'll teach you to make either argument mm -hmm. socrates did this so he so literally athenian philosophy western philosophy has its beginning with i love truth i must prove the relativistic sophists wrong so they deny the principle of contradiction and therefore they are sophists remember aristotle would say it all the time plato got almost everything wrong socrates a student aristotle would say i love my friend plato but i love the truth more the truth has to be tops so that that's the main theme in your nine minute video i think i 1.25 times it mm -hmm. so that it's even less time there so hey, before you start, can I add something, Tim? Of course. Of I course. love what you said about that. And even then in the Athenian democracy, they confused the sophists for Socrates and put Socrates to death for corrupting the truth. When he was involved in the project of extracting people from the cave, and, and uh, that's really interesting, but I'm going to want to up you a little bit. I believe the archetype for sophistry began before time began when Lucifer, the brightest angel, said to God, I will not serve. And then we saw that manifest with the serpent in the garden who told yeah. Eve half-truths. The, the prototypical sophist is Satan. And yeah. it's been a theme throughout the history of fallen man from the beginning. Yes. Half-truths are the big theme. They, they, get they gain purchase for the lie with half-truths. And this, this is what Lofton does all the time. This week, Parachorphans and retrogrades, I'm going to take a quick time out here. This week, I'm going to be going back and showing you the, the moments before Thanksgiving where Pope Francis jumped the shark. He took out the holiest bishop in the church, in my estimation. You could say this is jumping the shark, but he's done it so long before that I'm going to go back to two moments 
with shows this week upcoming on Rules for Retrogrades. His elevation of Heiner Vilmer, the most heretical bishop in the church, he tried to make him twice in early 2023 his... uh, vice president, which is what really the the DDF is, the number two in the church, the doctrinal chief. Heiner Wilmer is the greatest heretic, and he was actually shut down by an intervention of cardinals. We don't know how he did it. I contacted Diane Montagna this morning. Help me find out about this intervention. As he, he, he was trying to elevate to the doctrinal chief in the church, the greatest living heretic, Heiner Wilmer, leader of the German synodal way, who openly flaunts its nose at Rome and, and says, you cannot tell us what to do. And Francis pretends to, to, to chide them. You know, within the same year, he demotes the holiest bishop in the church. So that's one thing I'm going to talk about. Who is Heiner Wilmer? Why did he nearly become DDF? And then I'm also going to talk about Eugenio Scalfari. There's a bit, there was a lot of sophistry and lies about false denials the Vatican made um, after Francis told uh, uh, Eugenio Scalfari things like hell doesn't exist and Jesus wasn't God while he was man. Uh, The Vatican actually never formally denied these things. I'm going to do a show on that in great detail. I've been doing deep dives. We have to get to the truth. And that's the theme of the show. Sophistry is when you use a half-truth and you say, this is a denial. No, no. The Vatican called this a denial. It wasn't. Sophistry to say, Pope Francis has universal jurisdiction. Therefore, everything he says is correct. No, he has universal jurisdiction. There are there are likely popes in hell. More of the popes are saints than are in hell. But oh, my big takeaway from your video, I want to I play the first clip right now, is this. The message of Our Lady of Akita, quoted by Cardinal Burke, up and down the page over the last five years. There will be bishops against bishops and cardinals against cardinals in this time of relativism. There will be bishops against bishops and cardinals against cardinals. Let me, maybe I should, maybe I should read the entire Akita thing. The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals. Sound familiar? In the Francis pontificate? Yes, all the time. Bishops against other bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confrères. Mic drop. Mic drop. This is the Virgin Mary. Do you guys get it? Do you get it? This is playing out. Now, the reason this is so important, everyone sees the obvious import here, right? The reason it's so important to Steve, your point, I want to let you have a crack at this is because there can only be one truth. And um, if some cardinals oppose the truth and other cardinals affirm the truth, if some bishops oppose the truth and other bishops affirm the truth, which creates the conflict, we must pick sides. Parish orphans and retrogrades, you must pick sides. So this is the one issue I'm going to take with your video. It's the basis for it later. It's like, I have no problem with people that are picking sides. Pick wisely. The Bishop of Rome has universal jurisdiction. He's the sovereign pontiff. That does not make him right. It just gives him purview. It does not give him a, a, a guarantee of just purview, ex post. It gives him ex ante purview. 
This just means, yeah, he could he could take away the Latin mass. I've I've argued that he can. It's still an evil thing to do. He'll still pay for it if he does it. He can do all the things he's done. We're going to get to a lot of them because this is not just a referendum on Michael Loftog Lofton uh, into his house. This is a referendum on Pope Francis. And so because of the principle of non-contradiction, because we have to oppose sophistry, meaning we have to pick a side, cardinals and cardinals are going against each other. Bishops and bishops are going against each other. And, and you don't get to just be like, well, I love all of them. Or, or whatever. I love all their souls, all that, all that fruity stuff. But I, I, I think all of them are right. You can't say that. Fran- it's either Francis is right in his theological claims or someone like Strickland is. Can't be both. And Strickland always just says whatever the deposit of faith says. Pope Francis, I'm going to play some Arroyo clips later in the show, um, sent agents saying, stop talking about the deposit of faith. I'm I'm siding with Strickland. Okay, so did you have anything to say to that before we get into it, Steve? Yeah, I'm not I'm not at all sure what you di- disagree with, and I'm okay with it. But here's where we must share common ground: that the first principle of all reality is the principle of non-contradiction. Yes, it's yes. non-negotiable. Yes. Um, yes. Still not sure where we disagree, and I'm I'm open, super open to it. But I begin there. I begin there with the first principle of all reality. There's no other place to begin, and in rejecting it. You have no ground to stand on to even reject it. So it's it's really important to get that one thing right. If you get that wrong, like Michael Lofton gets it wrong, you get everything wrong. Everything that follows is wrong. Yes. Irrevocably. Irrevocably. Uh, there, there's there's a kind I've I've referred to this uh, a couple times before in I think book nine of Aristotle's Metaphysics. He comes up with a a soft proof. It's not even the second kind of Aristotelian proof, which is called a a quia demonstration. It's definitely not a strict demonstration. It's not propositional. It's called a performed proof that someone who attempts to deny the principle of non-contradiction or principle of the excluded middle or any of the other first principles, the principle of proportionate causation. Uh, Mm. I used this one in a debate recently against some hapless uh, quasi-illiterate Protestant. (laughs) you, it's called the principle of retorsion. You can't, because they're the building blocks, these first principles like non-contradiction, the building blocks of arguments, the atoms, nothing is smaller than them propositionally. Right. Nothing can build them. So you can't prove them because they're the building blocks. But Aristotle says, what you can do is show that any gainsayer of any of the first principles will not only contradict himself in his move to contradict the first principle, but he will, more than that, he will advert to said first principle itself in the repudia, in the repudiation of it. An example of this, an analogy would be if, if you, uh, if you were to assert, there are no assertions, there are none. Well, you just asserted it. So you prince principle of retorsion. Um, so I talk a lot, I, I need to talk more about this, about the, the, the principle of, non-contradiction, because the Francis pontificate is a giant exercise in saying, no, the principle of non-contradiction is not actually valid. We can believe Jesus's words that adultery is always and everywhere wrong, but that was for 2,000 years ago. Now, in the third Christian millennium, we can believe that there's no such thing as adultery and um, and that really two remarried divorcees ought to be able to have sex with each other. Which, again, 
you see why people that that uh, that are divorced civilly or remarried civilly want to affirm Francis's message because even though it contradicts what we know Jesus says. Uh, yeah, I want to jump in there with you, Tim, also and just say it's even more than this. It's absolutely true that without the first principles, not only do the deniers of first principles use the first principles for their denial, they're caught in, a, in an obvious contradiction that seems to be lost on the world today if they can convince you that your lights are the highest way of knowing, which is what Michael Lofton does. But there are a couple more things that come with that. If you look at the demoniac in the Bible that Jesus exercised and, and drew the, the demons out into the pigs, he not only had a split mind, which is the contradictions, he had violence and nudity, which is an, uh, pointing to the pornography that's that's justifying this adultery, that's justifying LGBTQ and the transgender and all those things. So it's all of this together with the sophists. We're going to have to bleep you after the fact, Steve. Okay. You said like three of the buzzwords right there. <gasps> Take it out. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. Did I? Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, okay. So no worries. Well, we'll do it after the fact, but um, I, I zoned on that. Okay, let's just no, stick with the principle of non-contradiction. <laughs> yeah, that, that one's not outlawed yet, though it's outlawed in the church. It's outlawed in the church to say, nope, timeless teaching cannot change. Bishop Strickland says more or less to a royal. I really was demoted because I believe in the, the timeless deposit of faith. Francis sent his agents to say, there is no deposit of faith in essence. He, he kind of walked it back whether it exists, but he said, Francis said, you're talking too much about it. Yeah. Inter alia. Uh, um, okay, so here's your first here's your first clip. We're about, what, 30 minutes in. We're going we're gonna to go bleep you later. Please bleep me ASAP. You could say, on this show, you could say, fuck or shit, I don't care. But you, if you sit... The funny thing is you can't say what the um, Catholic sexual teaching is. You can't say, uh, you know, I need to, to, to resod my grass or any, any, any uh, likenesses like that. That's, that's the funny part. You can't uh. say whatever you, you won't get in trouble for saying bad words. Horrible stuff, right. In trouble for saying whatever. Yeah, speaking of that's what got me kicked off of Patreon was just saying what the Catholic uh sexual teaching was. That Heiner right. we're going to get to Heiner Vilmer later, but um he 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 openly says, you know, we want we need to undo this. And for that, Francis says you're going to be doctrinal chief. Okay, so here's your video. We'll, we'll uh I want I want to get in three takes, we'll talk about first take after this. We can talk about a situation that's happening with the recently removed Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas. The good bishop went to Rome to speak at the LifeSite News Conference, and there he gave a talk on the road to Emmaus. And in that talk, kind of preceding that talk, he read a private letter to him from a friend publicly. So there's this guy named Michael Laughlin. He's a Catholic wow. commentator, and he has a show called Reason and Theology. He was deeply disturbed by this letter, and he makes a rather long video comment analyzing it in a video below. You can see it. So there are real questions surrounding the prudence of reading this letter publicly. And the author of the letter that Bishop Strickland read was obviously an intelligent and faithful man. But in light of present circumstances, it appears as if he was angry and perhaps even righteously angry. But it may have been anger that overshadowed the better part of valor in this case. That's an issue that remains to be discussed and fleshed out. This video is not about whether or not that was prudent to read that letter. It's about Michael Lofton's commentary on that letter. 
And again, Michael Lofton's podcast is called Reason and Theology. And with a title like that, and speaking on maybe on behalf of the Catholic Church, there are a couple things to which Michael ought to be beholden. The first one is this. A Catholic commentator ought to speak the truth with charity. And some of Michael's words may have been true, but many of them are not true. Much worse is the obvious lack of charity in his assertions. Watch the first 20 minutes of the video for irrefutable evidence of both. The second thing a good Catholic commentator must do in a public debate, if he's virtuous, is to present his opponent's words in the best light possible. One of Michael's most glaring errors is his exaggerated darkening of Bishop Strickland's words, followed by sneering insults and what seemed to be glowing endorsements of Pope Francis's positions. This exaggeration in both directions is deeply troubling. Again, just watch the first 20 minutes of the video for evidence of that. So in this video below, you will see that Michael falls dreadfully short on both of these things. One, to speak the truth in charity, and two, to present his opponent's words in the best possible light. In fact, he excoriates and insults Bishop Strickland in grotesque ways, not befitting of reason or theology. <laughs> Today, I want to briefly talk about a... Okay, nice. That, that's, that's a great opening shot, by the way. I love that. Um, you first, Steve. What, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you say? Anything to add? Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's very obvious if you watch those videos that what I just said is true, unless you're a Michael Lofton sycophant. I imagine that his uh, his followers would take umbrage, but then we just have to examine what was said. Uh, I want to, yeah. Steph said something funny, but did I say umbrage? I can't say that on here. YouTube. No, no, you can say umbrage. No, <laughs> I was kidding. I was kidding. I just didn't know if I uh, was was responding the right way. But one thing in particular that I think we had to look at it, in terms of casting a dark light on something, this letter that was written, um, Michael Lofton said, interpreting this paragraph as as Seti Vacantism is as easy as one plus one equals two. And I don't know if we could show that little paragraph. Can we do that? Or is uh, I I'm sorry, I don't have it. I got it right here. How about it? I got it right up here. Um, this little statement says, would you now allow this one who has pushed aside the true Pope and has attempted to sit on a chair that is not his to find what the church is to be? Now, Michael Lofton says it's as simple as one plus one there that points to the obvious fact that this makes the author and bishop a set of a contest. But first of all, there's so many reasons why that's probably not true. And it is a is, is a dark cast of these words. We need to ask the author what he intended by those words. And then we need to ask Michael Lofton if he knows the difference between formal literacy and material literacy. It's hugely problematic. So I want to make a suggestion that might sound a little harsh, but I think this is true. C.S. Lewis wrote an essay in 1944 talking about the two kinds of education, an authentic education and a modern education. And he said the modern education fails most disastrously when it most succeeds. It makes a man feel vaguely cultured when he remains, in fact, a dunce. It makes him intellectual without intellect. I think this is a, kind of a perfect description of Michael Lofton and his kind of education. So here's how it works. When an author writes a letter, in formal literacy, the soul of that author informs every word. The unifying principle of the letter is the author, not Michael Lofton. He doesn't have the right to say what these words mean just because he thinks materially 
They look like one plus one equals two to him. He doesn't have that right. Here's my suggestion. I don't know what the author meant, but because I don't know, I'm not going to claim in concrete terms that I know what he meant, but here's what I think he might've been pointing to. This looks like symbolic language to point to that story of the Pope Benedict 16th pontificate up through his resignation and then Francis coming in after that. I don't know that story very well, Tim, you know it better than I do, but it seems to me symbolically that's what he's saying, which is not even to say sedivacantism, which is a movement from Pope Pius XII till today, claiming the seat's empty. Uh, so there's a lot of it, there's a lot in really there. interpretive problems with that. Do you agree? I don't agree with all that, but th that's fine. That's what uh, I, I mean. I, I agree with your general critique of Lofton. I don't think it's unfair for him to say that if you usurp the throne of Peter, that I'm talking about the man who wrote the letter to Strickland, mm -hmm. that this generally intones uh, a principle of a kind of 2000. Uh, thirteen set of a contism. Mm. I, I I don't I don't have a problem with that. I I think there are because once again let's let's let our poll star be facts. There are serious serious issues with um the way that that uh, Francis took the throne of Peter, and to say whether he usurped it. This can either here's here's the definition of usurper, a person who takes a position of power illegally or by force. Mm -hmm. I, I think what you're pointing at is he, he might not have taken it by force. I think. No, I also think th there's a kind of force that might have been uh, applied. History will tell that. Um, Plus, but, it would be allegorical, Tim, allegorical force, an allegorical push. Not a literal push. Not a, well, not either, a literal one would, either one would. And, and there's also illegality, which there's there's loads of evidence that um, universal diminish, uh, university diminishi egregious. Uh, Pope John Paul II's letter on the the way that conclaves must work. It's a letter from 1996. Were violated. Pope Francis's own biographer, I've, uh, Austin Ivory, in his first edition of the Great Reformer. Uh, said it said that Francis basically more or less agreed to canvassing by the Sankt Gallen Mafia. They pulled every copy of that off the shelves after a week that that book had been out. And according to University Dominici Gregis in 1996, this would would invalidate a number of those cardinals' votes. It might invalidate uh, the taker himself. But yeah, so I think you could say usurper. There's a usurper, and there might be an allegorical sense. I don't, I don't hard disagree there. But when you say that we have to have the author of a text present to ask him what he means, that that I, I'm a, I am a textualist. I do believe we can we can adjudge what the letter writer to Bishop Strickland probably meant by the original public meaning. There are those three elements: the original public meaning. Now I'd say he sounds like a. Um, a 2013 set of a contest. Um, what do you, what do Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't that be more like an interregnum when, as opposed to the ideology of sedivacantism? Sedivacante. It, it's just an empty chair, but it doesn't even, it doesn't even have to be in that. But let me ask you this, Tim, would you allow the author of this to clarify what he means by that? Or would you just impose your meaning on it as an original textualist? 
Well, I have a oh, I have a third take altogether. Of course, I would. Of course, I would in, sure. um, allow that. I I invite him. I don't know what the man's name is. Uh, he might be. You know, he's likely a viewer of the show. I have a lot of lot of fans in that diocese um, mm-hmm. that that are retrogrades. I'd I'd love to talk to him on the show. I don't have really a problem with him saying usurper. I, I wish he would have said possible or or likely usurper of the sure. throne. I'm not sure whether it's 45 percent chance or 55 percent chance, but um, yeah, I also like your gloss that there is a, a an allegorical sense of usurper. I mean, the, the first definition is a person who takes a position of power illegally or by force. But here's 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 um, something that's big. I, I, I want to play a, a Theodore McCarrick clip that supports mm. this man's interpretation of usurpation. Mm. Uh, it's it's a it's a well known one, but an often forgotten one that uh that i i think will be instructive as we go forward but here's what i would say this does not make strickland uh it, 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 did you say lofton set michael laughlin i like how you called him michael laughlin michael laughlin did michael laughlin say that this makes strickland a set of a contest for reading a, a throwaway line in an otherwise very very relevant letter from oh, let, let's assume arguendo he this this letter writer is set of a contest did you say laughlin says that this makes strickland a set of a contest uh you'd have to watch the whole video to see how many times he makes reference to it i, I couldn't i i would i would assume. yeah no no it's it's really it's really um it's really awful to watch the it videos are like four I, hours they're ridiculous no, it's only it's only it's only about eight hours but it's <laughs> Oh, no, it's only a couple hours. It's only an hour and five minutes or something. This particular one. But it's a saga. It's a bunch together. You put them together. It's a it's longer than Lord of the Rings, the extended version. But he he but he and it's he doesn't come straight out and say it, but he he implies it. He 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 suggests it. He he says it's one plus one equals two. I'm not convinced by this this quote, this paragraph that the author himself is a set of a contest. I kind of don't think he is. He might be. I okay, can't say that for sure, but I something you and I that. talked about last night that's important here, so that we don't get dragged into the weeds on that. For one thing, I don't, yeah. I don't really think it matters. I think there's, there's, there's a decent chance, there's a de- and maybe not more than fifty percent chance, but there is a very, very strong case that the Francis pontificate could later be invalidated by the way he took the throne, the the Sankt Gallen mafia, the the use of illegality and potentially force. But um, let's not get into the weeds on that. Sedevacantism. I did listen to this clip from Lofton. He says, oh, well, you're not set- de facto, de facto. This guy thinks that if Benedict was Pope that whole time, Benedict is now dead. So it is a Sedevacante. Yes, that would be Sedevacante. But here's the thing. To be an ist, a Sedevacantist, one has to be a proponent of a worldview. Now, do we all become set of a contests each time we have an interregnum? No, that that it is a set of a conte, but it does not become the worldview that's associable with the view that after 1958, the close of the pontificate of Pope Pius XII, there has not been one pope. That is set of a contism, and set of a contists right. are, as a matter of fact, one plus one equals two, set of a contists are those people that believe we haven't had a Pope since 1958. We are not set of a who affirm the worldview each time we have an interregnum. Interregnum means people, uh, period between Popes. 
So we've have we had 265 periods of set of a Conte between popes? Yes. But have we had 265 anti-popes? No, we've had about 30 or 35, actually. We, we get one about one and a half per century. Francis could turn out to be one. There's a strong case, but who cares for now? Call him Pope Francis. We don't know until we know. The point is, just by saying, well, hey, it might be a set of a Conte. We'll see later. That does not make you a proponent of 1958 set of a Contism any more than acknowledging when one pope dies and you're awaiting the next pope that the chair is empty. You're a set of a contest. It's a stupid point. Yeah, truly. Listen, listen to this. This is um, you know who Cardinal Theodore McCarrick is, right, Steve? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. About six months after Francis took the office, remember, he's he's a heinous man, evil villain, sexually mm -hmm. abused, tons and tons and tons of seminarians and, and um, even young boys. Mm. And Francis um, put him back into action, no pun intended, uh, after Benedict had taken him out of action. And um, then Francis lied about it, got caught in the summer and fall of 2018 McCarrick is the most powerful man in America, arguably. Some have argued that. Not, not prelate, not Catholic, man. He was. Um, he has deep, deep dealings with China. Hmm. He uh, has deep, deep dealings with the Obama White House. Listen to what he's saying after Francis had taken him and put him back into action six, year, uh, six months after Francis became Pope. He's very triumphalistic because he thinks they have it made. Listen to what he says. Wait, where did it go? Here it is. Gulli was a friend of mine uh, because I, I, the community, the religion. He says Bergoglio was a friend of mine. Bergoglio was a friend of mine. Close friend. Uh, because I, I, the community, the religious, I live in a religious community in Washington, and it's a community that was founded in Argentina. So, you know, they were always talking about the Gaudio, the Archbishop in Argentina. And I'm not trying to make you all sick, but it was making me sick as I was listening. It was making me queasy. There are clicking noises that come from his mouth. This guy's a demon, okay? And the things he's done with that mouth uh, are, are horrifying. You hear this clicking through the entire time. It's, it's actually making me nauseous right now. This guy's this guy's fucking disgusting. Okay, he's a demon. Very very close friend of Francis's. Listen to what he says about uh, this mysterious gentleman. My friend Stephen O'Reilly thinks he knows who the mysterious Italian gentleman is, and the way they would rig the conclave for Francis. Uh, maybe just before we went into the general conversations, when everybody can talk. Very interesting and, and influential Italian gentleman that came to ask if he'd come to see me. So I said, sure, and he came to see me at the seminary, the, the American college where I was staying. We sat down. This is a very brilliant man, very influential man in Rome. Uh, and he, we talked about a number of things. He had a favor to ask me for back to the United States. But then he said, what about Bergoglio? And I was surprised if that's the question. I said, what about him? He said, does he have a chance? I said, I don't think so, because I no one's mentioned his name. I, he hasn't he hasn't been in the in the into his mind, and I don't think it's I don't think it's on anybody's mind to vote for him. 
He said, he could do it, you know. I said, what could he do? He said, he could reform the church. He gave him five years, he could put us back on target. And he's 76. They said, yeah, five years. If he had five years, the Lord working through Bergoglio in five years could make the church over again. Oops. Oops. Okay, so yeah, this is this is very real. This is a real reality. Hmm. No, everyone in the church just refuses to talk about it. Uh, this is the the worst man in the church that we know of, and he's saying, you know, this is a very very famous speech. But therefore, Catholics are quick to forget it. Catholics, right, left, center, are quick to forget intentionally, and it's a violation of the principle of non contradiction. All right, so here's so back to this. Um, the, we do know two of Francis's very best friends, his biographer, not his enemy. Austin Ivory, and his most close, trusted, original American confidant, Theodore McCarrick, the, the vile villain uh, who sexually mm -hmm. abused lots. They both are, are together. You take their testimony, and it's a strong insinuation that uh, University Dominici Egregious was, was violated, and that would um, arguably invalidate the election. There, there's a bunch of other evidence there, but I, I don't freak out. When a clearly a smart, faithful man who's like, who knows, uh, Francis is a, a usurper, at least allegorically, maybe in actuality. I, I don't get all twisted off on that. Um, so I, I don't think we have to we don't have to like get him on the horn and treat it like he, he violated some thought crime. This needs to this is going to be looked into after. Do you guys get that? There is so much evidence against Francis and the pontificate itself. It will be looked into. And I will be on the record as having said it. Look, there, there's a strong case against this. I don't know that I'm over 50%, but we don't have to freak out now. That doesn't make Bishop Strickland a, a set of a contest. No, it just means like we, we have to look into this. There's so much evidence. We don't, the principle of non-contradiction, being a philosopher rather than a sophist, requires that we look into this. Right. Now, okay, so here's my one problem with that that first clip of yours, Steve. You said that the, the principle of charity, I, I mean, I loved I loved the whole nine-minute video, but you said that Lofton fails the principle of charity, and you said a second moment is he has to be as favorable as possible or, or interpret in the best light uh, the words of anyone. That's This is a Catholic principle. I, I just... Best possible light. That doesn't mean the best light. It means the best possible. Light. It means in accord with objective reality. Okay. Okay. So let me let me give you let me give you a, a thought experiment. Okay. You have a neighbor that's always arguing with his wife. He has an acrimonious relationship with his wife. He says, "I'm going to slay her tonight." And um, let's she end, say she ends up getting killed. And then you're like, they the police come knocking on your door. What did, did you have any interaction? Yeah, he said he's going to slay her, but I didn't take it seriously because I, I took his words in the best possible light. Let's say this guy's also a comedian. They always say like, I'm going to slay, I'm going to slam. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, yeah, I'm going to slay her tonight after dinner. That's when he practices his comedy. Yeah, I knew they had an acrimonious divorce. Yeah, I knew the more probable construction of those words is, of course, yeah, they have an acrimonious divorce. I should have looked into it or should have called someone. Um, there's no affirmative duty, I don't believe, but that that's really irresponsible. You know, the more prob the 99% probable is he means, he means, um, you know, he's going to kill her. But when you do the most 
what is it? The best light possible, conceivable. Well, then you can never criticize the words of others. And this, in fact, is selectively applied. This is the sophistry of the Pope splainers like Lofton. Selectively applied. They'll never apply best possible light to a truth teller like Strickland. But they will always apply all of a sudden, boom, best possible light of Francis's words. That means they're of liars like Francis. There is never a situation. There's no situation where there's not a possible light since it doesn't have to be probable or, you know, plausible uh, that, that you can't sophistically say, okay, never criticize the Pope. And this is, Steve, this is precisely what Lofton does. So I, I would take you back to what I said in opening. I have no problem with what's called uncharitable speech. I don't, I don't think Catholics say charitable, uncharitable. I don't, I don't think they know what that is. They also say um, prudence a lot. These are Aristotelian principles. I, I, I don't, the true charity, true prudence, these are two of the most important things. But what the Catholic midwittery out there say when they say this, you know, undergrads at pick pick your Catholic college, you need to be charitable. That's not charity. That just means you can't criticize this person because they're in a special class. You're not allowed to apply the principle of non-contradiction. Like, what, what do you say there? I think that is the stuff of sophistry, even though you're a, you're a big critic of sophistry. Well, well, hold on. Let me let me back up and say I qualified it in public Catholic commentary. I didn't say everyday life and everything you do, although the standard of prudence and charity is correct. In the best possible light is when you're interpreting public words from public figures, just like Thomas Aquinas did in the Summa. He gave the enemy's arguments in in better terms than they themselves could have conveyed it, not distorting truth, but conveying truth in an honest way. So I don't know if the thought experiment applies to the qualification I have, but as a Catholic commentator, we still owe it to Michael Lofton as an act of charity to characterize him as he is, not as we emotionally want to exaggerate and not as he's not. Do you agree with that? Yeah, but that's a different claim. I, I mean, we, we don't thought, have to get I thought that was the claim I made with the standard of a Catholic commentator in public interpreting words like from Bishop Strickland or even from Pope Francis. It would be the same standard. Well, yeah, but the thing, the fact of the matter is, like you said, um, one thing, I he, um, I helped make this guy's audience large. I've, he's been on my show a few times. He he kept moving to the theological left the way devotees mm -hmm. of Francis did over the last mm -hmm. two and a half years. And um, he's been invited to debate Amoris Letizia on this show. And he was going to come, I forget what dimension of it it was, about this time last year. He said, mm -hmm. yeah, on like a Friday, on uh, on Monday, I called him and he, he just wouldn't do it. He, he, he ghosts because he knows sure. he has no possible way. Uh, he knows I'm unbeaten in public debates. He has no possible way of prevailing. Um, That's right. And and again, I'm not I'm not a theologian. I'm a philosopher. So I'm just going to be analyzing truth claims propositionally. Right. I, I don't I don't care about um, the a lot of the, the claims that he even thinks are profound. I'm like, no, this is these are just truth claims. These are more fundamental than theological claims. And, and he knows that. So he ghosted me. But we are being charitable to him right now. Sure. Absolutely. I, I thought I had a direct quote like. You do not, one does not need to, in one's conclusions, conclude that the unfeasible or unplausible, the, the least plausible yet still possible conclusion of an opponent's formulations is the true one, right? You agree of with course. me there? Of course. No, of course. Maybe possible wasn't the best word choice 
But listen, I'm concluding that Michael Lofton is a sophist and a gaslighter. I agree. And, and I, I think that's the, the most charitable characterization of his speech that I can give him. And it's it's the best possible light. That's the best possible light I can see it in, in accord with truth. If you look at the realities to which Michael Lofton's sophistical and gaslighting words point to. So I, don't confuse what I'm saying for being nice, which, which is a form of ignorance. But to be charitable and prudent, I think, is the standard, even if you claim I misspeak on the word highest possible or best possible light. It's a way of saying Listen, don't distort your opponent's words either for the better or for the worst. Try oh, to so you want the most plausible. Possible. Maybe I should say plausible, but I plausible. certainly didn't mean to be nice or possible because you can always say and this, said that. this is literally what they do with Francis so that he will yeah. always have hardwired into every one of his material heresies. Cardinal yeah. Mueller says maybe maybe formal heresies. Um he will always hardwire. There will be some conceptual way out. So if we are hamstrung by some sort of um, Catholic rule of thumb or hard rule that says that we have to offer the best possible interpretation, you're never going to come up with the right interpretation because okay. best, you know, so I, I guess I've, I've. Then, then I misspoke. I misspoke. That's certainly not what I meant. If I had meant what you suggest I meant, I would have said Michael Lofton's really gets some things right. He's a good guy, and, and I'm really impressed with his thinking. I'm not at all. I said just the opposite. Yeah. And I yeah. thought that was the best possible delight to put his vicious words in. So I, yeah. I, I accept the correction, and we'll call it, what do you call it? Plausible? Plausible. The most plausible that? interpretation. Yeah, yeah. That's Well, I mean, it's not even a formal correction. It's just literally that that's what you meant by bet. You meant best propositionally, most most likely me too but catholics say charitable and they and they hear best light and most charitable and they always say oh well even if a guy said he's gonna you know slay we have to assume that this means something innocuous and it's like but yeah. it doesn't you know it probably doesn't you know he, this guy has an acrimonious relationship with his wife it's not the best light that i can throw on slay the best light i could throw on slay is i'm gonna make her laugh but yeah. if he ends up killing his wife, your neighbor, and he said, I'm going to slay her, you were, well, not you, one was responsible for doing something. And that that is the case with Lofton or Michael Laughlin. I, I love that expression. Um, yeah, yeah in, in, in the his house. We'd love to get him in the his house here and, <laughs> and, and bust a rap together, rap together. But it also applies to Pope Francis. And this is why I, your, your whole Nine minute video is amazing. And I just, again, you're being more brief than we are here. This is a deeper dive. But like sophistry versus philosophy is the perfect frame because, yes. because of Our Lady of Akita, bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal. You cannot say that all the bishops are right. Do, right. do you guys get it yet? Parish orphans and retrogrades, do you get that you cannot, you don't have the luxury? like we did sometimes in the medieval church, most of the church. I'm saying pretty much all the bishops are right, or almost all of them. Now you have the majority of bishops are, are cowards who go along with the, the theological left, who gave up guys like McCarrick, guys like Pope Francis, guys like Cardinal Casper, who is really the brain trust, the brain behind the brain trust of Francis. Cardinal Casper, by the way, 
doesn't seem to think Jesus really did miracles or resurrected, if you read some of his old papers. Neither does Heiner Velmer's uh, teacher. Most of the Germans don't think Jesus actually resurrected from the dead. A lot of people out there that watch uh, the YouTube commentaries, they're, they're not being told this. If you go peek at the papers from the 70s and 80s, most of these Germans did not believe Jesus actually resurrected. It's a historical critical thing. So when you t- when I tell people, and I just try to break it down in the plainest possible terms, I'm like, you literally have to pick bishop over bishop. And and when I hear Car- uh, uh, Bishop Strickland, I want to get to your next clip, saying, I just want to be with Jesus. I need to get closer to Jesus. And I just want to teach even more perfectly, more clearly, the timeless immutable deposit of faith. And he says, hey, I, this is why I got removed. I believe him because Francis hates the deposit of faith and says that he's going to change it. And you heard Cardinal McCarrick say, I don't know what other evidence you people out there need. If you, There's none so blind as those who refuse to see that will not to see. Did you have anything? Yeah. yeah, two things to say. One is I really love the pushback on the best possible light, but I'm also, I'm probably not using that that speech properly because the word light itself means the light of truth. It doesn't mean your own lights. And that's a distinction I make for Michael in other, other commentaries that he's operating by his own lights. But um, I just wanted to make that really clear because it's so important that we see things as they are and then yeah. say what they are in truth. And that's a, that's an act of charity and prudence in itself. That's really important. Uh, and there was one more thing that uh, in that letter, it said there are a bunch of cowards in Rome. This is this is an example of Michael's sophistry. It said there's a bunch of cowards in Rome. So I don't know if there are a bunch of cowards in Rome or not. But if those cardinals are cowards and they are in Rome at the synod, it's a fair thing to say. But yeah. Michael's response to it was, oh, so Cardinal Mueller's a coward. That was his that's such a sophistical and five-year-old response to the general commentary that there are cowards amassed in Rome right now. Oh, so Cardinal McCarrick's in Rome. I mean, I'm sorry. Cardinal Mueller is a coward. Yikes. Is that what he said, Steve? Yes, that's literally what he said. That was his infantile. It's ironic. That's infantile. And that's a word he used to describe Bishop Strickland. He said, he said because um, this is literally... A Venn diagram? Yes. What's up? That, the guy is dumb. Can He's a dumb. guy who is like an, an old guy giving lectures to a great a great man like Strickland? It's, exactly. It's, it's enraging. Then, people allow this. But wait, wait. I wanted to make that Hold point. On. Hold on. That's such a good point. I want to pause there. And Steph, Steph is ripping her hair out. This <laughs> is what the stumbling block speech means in, yeah. in Bible. Pope Francis is the stumbling block, okay? And when you have him and you have people Pope splaining and they think that, well, yeah, even though what he's saying is clearly wrong, you know, that that not only can two remarried divorcees continue living together, like JP2 correctly, he made a little change. They can live together, but they have to live continently. That's 1991. Uh, But in 1993, Cardinal Casper, the brain behind Francis, Start saying, no, we need to come up with trolley car problems to figure out ways that these two adulterers can continue having sex with each other, adulterous sex with people apart from their spouse. And Francis enshrines it in the 2014-2015 Synod in Amoris Laetitia in 2016, puts it in the uh, AAS in September of 2016. He literally says this is the only correct interpretation that said 
uh, adulterers have to be able, you have to let them have sex with each other too, not just familiaris consortio. The whole problem, all of Francis's pontificate stands for this proposition that adulterers not only can live with each other if they're remarried, but they can have sex with each other. And, and Cardinal Walter Brandmuller said in 2014, this would be the first Sankt Gallen agenda item. Cardinal Casper uh, had been working on it since 1993. So, yeah, there is there is a real problem with the Francis pontificate and Pope explaining because you're taking truth and you're saying, but he's got this certain position of authority. And in this certain position of authority, one and one or two and two can be five. That's what the Pope Splainers do. Francis is saying, I'm going to make two and two five. I'm going to make the impossible possible. I'm going to change what cannot be changed. And guys like Lofton, midwits like Lofton, are out there, call literally a, a divorced, uh, from what I've heard, a divorced and remarried himself, benefiting by that, right? Um, not 99% of uh, of annulments aren't valid anyway, according to data that I have. And benefiting by it and then taking goodly men, maybe the best man in the church, quite plausibly, Bishop Strickland, to task for saying, I, I have to stick to the deposit of faith. We have relativism enshrined in the Roman Catholic Church. Raging. It's enraging. Absolutely. Guys like him, honestly, who are living in public scandal, yeah. need to just go and live a life of prayer and penance quietly yeah. and not be masquerading as moral authorities, especially yeah. to bishops to... who have served the church. I, I, it's, I can't believe that you we're guys, sitting here. Do you guys know what physiognomy is? It's very <laughs> real. Physiognomy. If you, you remember uh, Scarlet Letter, remember that Steve in Scarlet Letter, physiognomy. Dimsdale, you can tell that he's uh, uh he's yeah, 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 hiding something by his face, yeah. his countenance. That's when right. You look at Bishop the the it's it's East Texan, but it is such a pleasant countenance. The mm -hmm. the, the visage of Bishop Strickland. That's he right. Look, he's very different temperament than Bishop Sheen, Archbishop Sheen. Yeah. He looks to me like Bishop Sheen. Very ple he's a he's a no uh no homo sapien here, but he he's a pleasant man to look at. I yeah. trust him. I would I would give him my guest room in my house. There aren't many Roman Catholic bishops I'd give a, a guest room in my house. Any Catholic bishop, Your Excellency, I will pay if you come to Hattiesburg to visit me, I will pay for a room at the hotel. But I have <laughs> girls who are probably yeah. safe, but I have one little boy who I don't think I would not trust as safe. That's right. Because I'm not a best possible light guy. I'm a most plausible yeah. possible light guy. So no, you're not welcome That's to stay right. my home. Bishop Strickland would be welcome to stay at my home any day. This guy is inherently trustworthy. That's right. By his physiognomy. But also everything he's ever said or done means he's not a coward. I, I heard I heard three years ago. You know what? You know what? Where he eats his lunch at the USCCB meetings? Alone. Praying alone. Mm. He is the Skinny kid at fat camp. He is the straight kid at other uh, at, at, at the other at camp. Yeah. camp. I, that's that's him. That's him. That's man. him. That's, that's him. why he's out. I'm sick. Sam, of I want to say three things. First of all, there truly is this Catholic physiognomy with faithful Catholics. I I noticed it since I came into the church. It's a real thing. Uh, the the manifestation of a virtuous soul in the body is real. The other thing is is that. 
Faith just told me this morning, she said, make sure you find out a way to tell Bishop Strickland that he's welcome to come to our place here in Santa Barbara. Also, he is absolutely welcome in our house. We'd love to see him. So if you need a break, Bishop, please come, come stay with us. And third, Steph knows how much I love her, right? And I see yeah. how, uh, Steph, you know I love you, right? I know it. <laughs> you know it. So, so I don't mean this to upset you more, but if you watch that video, as you compare the kind of soul Michael Laughlin must have with the good Bishop, and you watch how Michael Lofton laughs, derides, and is derisive in his laughter at Bishop Strickland in this way of kicking someone when they're down. It's truly disturbing. And that's why I did that thought experiment that we'll see in the second segment. It's truly disturbing to watch this kind of viciousness presenting itself as self-righteousness and erudition when it's anything but. Just wanted to say that. I'm sick of all the, the mamby-pamby, nice, like beating around the bush when it comes to lo this Lofton character. Yeah, agreed. I watch him because I'd just be vomiting in terror the whole time because he's just so objectionable. <laughs> but what all these people who are just wringing their hands, just instead of just saying the, the obvious, like they're trying to be too nice handling this guy instead of just- Oh my gosh, yeah. His face and saying, you position to be speaking about anything morally publicly he's the Stop. first off first off divorced and remarried we're catholics go that's that's protestant stuff you can in certain <laughs> sex not even all sex why does he get a pass there oh because he's uh, all right okay he's been also he is frenetic he has been in and out of the faith i don't know how many times it's multiple yeah. When did Catholics start listening to people that jump ship once every two and a half years on average or every three years? Come back, go away. There have been every type of religion imaginable that I can think of. So I the, the standard is so low. And that but all I'm saying is, Steve, the only so the only it's a very minor, and this is a subjective disagreement. It's the kind that you can actually brook <laughs> and, and agree to disagree about because it's subjective. I don't have a problem with someone if, if if you get if you have McCarrick taken out of the cardinalate or, or whatever laicized justice the just man uh, this is for higher t guys just men will laugh triumphalistically good justice was done yeah god is just desserts um so I'm not one of these guys. There are nice guys in the church. I know there are all kinds of really nice guys. Matt Frad's a really nice guy. Brian Holdsworth is a really nice guy who did a really nice response to Lofton. Too nice a response, but Holdsworth is a nice guy. Frad is a nice guy. That ain't that ain't me. I, I mean, I want to be I want to be a good man, right? But um, I I I'm all for justice, man. I mean, I, I'm a philosopher. I I have a JD in constitutional law. I, I have no problem with people saying, good, that guy got what was coming to him about bad guys. So what matters to me is not tone or uh, procedure. What matters is substance, which means bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal. You better be on the right side. The stakes couldn't be higher. I, I mm -hmm. cheer that, that McCarrick, not that McCarrick was bad. That's horrible. We should all be aghast. I hope he can be reconciled to God, but I got cheered when his, when his Skittles ass got kicked out of the Cardinalate, mm -hmm. right? That was, that was a, that was a beautiful day. Let justice be done though. The heavens fall. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the saying of bias. And so I, I have no problem with if, if Strickland were a bad guy in bizarro universe and Heiner Wilmer 
we're a good guy or or McCarrick, we're a good guy. I'd say, yeah, yeah. Uh, let let the guilty hang. Let the guilty hang. But I'm not I'm not sure we disagree, Tim. I, I don't think we do, for, but I don't mind yeah. someone. I don't mind no, no, someone. Here's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. When the object of derision is someone like Bishop Strickland, uh, you you must think twice about that. But that's, that's because he's objective. good. That's what yes. I'm saying. That's because he's good. I, I don't mind deriding evil. I don't mind mocking evil. Uh, and I, I fancy myself as somebody who's fairly funny about mocking evil. You are. You are. But I I'm hold back. A lot of Catholics intone this whole thing where they're like, is what is what Lofton said about Strickland wrong because it was salty and a little triumphalistic, maybe kicking a guy when he's down, A, or was it wrong because Strickland's a good guy? I say it's wrong because Strickland's a good guy. I have no problem with someone, if if Pope Francis were to be declared later an anti-Pope, if it were during my life, I would say this is of such a good day for the church. I'm not saying it will happen. I don't, I don't, I don't sure. necessarily think it will, but if it did, oh my gosh, that would be yeah. amazing. You know how clean that would be for all of the material heresies, maybe worse, that he's spoken into existence magically. I would say this is the best day. So I just think we were warned by Our Lady of Akita, no relativism. We have to pick bishops against bishops, cardinals against cardinals. Make sure you're rooting for the right guy. And that's what really scares the low T, the low T. Sure people out there they, yeah they, yeah oh the stakes matter i can't just say nice things about everyone <laughs> the stakes no. matter uh but but let me qualify let me make one more statement i want to get out there too um the thing is is that i call bishop strickland friend he i i i've you met are. him several times we've broken bread together many times and and michael lofton said you know there was that obscure passage from revelation and when bishop strickland read it he has the humility to say in this conference Look, you guys are smarter than I am. I'm not even sure what that means. I got to look into that. And Michael Lofton's sophistical and gaslighting characterization was that is that this guy doesn't even know the Bible when it's being read in front of him. And the thing is, if you know Bishop Strickland, half of the words that come out of his mouth are from the Holy Scriptures. Yes. I don't and, know him as well as you, but yeah. Yeah, to say, to say those things, he speaks in scriptures. The last time Faith and I saw him was right after the apostolic visit. We go into encounter, and he's on his knees in front of the Blessed Sacrament. We spend hours in worship. He leads Holy Mass, and then we go have a nice meal together. That's that's the way Bishop Strickland is in reality. And so that derision, when it's so far off base, I find pusillanimous. That means small-souled. Especially when he's talking about one like Bishop Bishop Strickland, who is honorable, he has no guile, he doesn't yeah. deceive, and and you you will look now as his latest video is Lofton's trying to pretend like Bishop Strickland deceives. It's really wildly derisive in the wrong direction. I have no problem deriding evil. I'm holding back on Lofton because I don't know him. The things he's said he said are horrendous. He's a sophist and a gaslighter. To talk about Bishop Strickland the way he has is unconscionable for clearly a soul like his. I, I love everything you just said. I'm jealous that you get to know Bishop Strickland as well as you do. And I, I there are very few prelates where I just look at him. I have automatic like love in my heart. I'm so guileless. And he was so right. good to me without even knowing me personally. He's been on the show once or twice. But right. I wish I, you know, I, I'd love to know him. I, I, we'd love to host you here. Bishop Strickland uh, in, in in Hattiesburg. We're only we're only 
uh, what four six four hours five, five hours. hours what five hours away but um this is this is a real this is a really important thing yeah you see you keep you keep addressing really really important stuff here um i lost what i was gonna say let's let's go on to your your um uh, your second part two <laughs> i had something i had something really a banger to say but i forgot it sorry no you're good that was all good I I agree a million percent with everything you just said. And I'm like, I, Oh, Oh, this is what it was quickly. If Francis is good and all the things he's taught, right. That adultery is actually okay. And you can go receive our Lord's body in communion and adultery is really no longer adultery. You can have sex with someone besides your spouse. Then of course, Strickland's bad because Strickland Mm -hmm. opposed that. If the synod on synodality is good, and uh, Skittles is okay, then of course Strickland is bad. We're going to play some Strickland quotes in a little bit. If if Francis is good, then up is down. Okay? So you have to have relativism because he's inverted all the important teachings of the church, and he was put there to do it, as the yeah. McCarrick quote makes quite clear. He right. will remake the church. Francis has remade the church. Now, if it turns out later he's an anti-pope, I don't know that it, that would be declared. Then that would mean none of it. The church hasn't been remade. That would be beautiful. But mm-hmm. if he isn't an anti-pope, I don't know what to say. So I'm just saying, of course, Str- Steve, of course, Strickland has to be bad when Heiner Wilmer is good, when Theodore McCarrick is good. Right. You got to pick sides. Okay, here's your second clip. It's a tragic example of gaslighting. All one needs is common sense to see it. In fact, several commentators on this very video, you can read them below, reached out to Michael and said, hey, this doesn't seem balanced. This doesn't seem right. And he pretty much ignored most of them. But the one he did answer, he accused them of being, and I will quote, he said, you are slavishly denying the facts. This return comment on legitimate concerns is not very dialogical or helpful, and it's certainly not reasonable. So before you watch the videos, let's establish a baseline with which we can judge judge things. So there's a very important distinction to be made always and everywhere between a philosopher and a sophist. A philosopher, as it etymologically says, is one who loves wisdom. A philosopher seeks after truth and seeks after wisdom and literally subordinates himself to both truth and wisdom. The sophist, on the other hand, is one who's claiming himself to be wise. And in that wisdom, he places himself above truth and reality. There is so much confusion in the world today that we are likely to confuse the sophist for the philosopher and the philosopher for the sophist. What strikes me as crystal clear is that Michael Lawton's style is sophistical at best, but it's a tragic example. So good that Stephen Stephen Rummelsberg comment on that. That is your shining moment in this video. Great video, lots of good moments. That I, I'm so grateful to be able to talk to you about this. This is uh, going to be a new theme on rules for retrogrades, the confusion of the philosopher for the soft. When I was a philosophy student, it was like one of my favorite, favorite topics, the inception yeah. of philosophy in Athens. And you're, you're hitting it out of the park, man, by, by Thank you. calling us back to that. Yeah. It's the, it's the theme of all my work because my patron Saint St. Augustine wrote the book city of God. And the most profound line in it that's important for us, especially today is that he said, there are two loves that form two cities, love of self to the contempt of God 
and love of God to the contempt of self. And these form the city of man and the city of God. And I adapt that with my, my work, my apostolate, which is called city of truth, because it's about education. And the, the, it's the primary distinction. A truth teller's a philosopher. Uh, a liar is a sophist. It's very, very important to get. Yeah, everyone check out City of Truth. Um, you, you see you see the kind of stuff, you see the kind of high quality content um, Steve Steve offers. And, and you've worked with a lot of VIPs in the church behind the scenes. You're now coming out more. And again, we, we've been friends for, I don't know how long, a long, long, long time. A good longer, long time, but not long longer enough. than anyone else that's come on the show. And it, you, you live like three miles that's right. from my door in Baco. And, and, and man, Neighbors. I just want to say, um, so the main mark of this pontificate is, um, eradicating adultery as a mortal sin. Cause we, we can't receive communion in a state of mortal sin. Um, and, and since 1993, this Cardinal Casper, Walter Casper, one of the men who gave us Francis, he was in the Sankt Gallen mafia. Most of the Germ a lot of Germans were in it. Um, he said, look, we have to figure out a way to work up through like study commissions uh these problems that are cut and dried in the church so what what people have to understand about sophist and philosopher in the catholic church in late 2023 11th hour is that um the main mark of francis that that bishop strickland we're going to play some clips he'll say this to raymond arroyo why would why would we study something just in his avuncular but insightful guileless voice? Why would you study something that's that's a closed chapter? Why would you study the female diaconate um, if it's a closed chapter? He's we're now saying we're about to get female deacons next next right. October. People were saying this in 2014 and 2015. Our mutual friend Joseph and I would crowd around. Arroyo's show in 2014 and 2015 with another guy. This is after you left town, Steve. And we'd watch every the year I left town. Yeah. The year you left town. We, yeah. we would crowd around Arroyo's show. It was like a it was like a gangbusters every Thursday night. What's going on? What what are the power moves Francis is making? He'd say, Look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do communion for divorce and civilly remarried. Cardinal Casper came on in June of 2015 and said this to Arroyo. No, Francis liked me at first, but I'm out. They're running Kabuki Theater. But Cardinal Casper did say, now he wants to study commission it. What? You're not going to do it? Study commission? Now we have the luxury of history. In April 2016, Amor Satizia comes up. Communion for the divorced and civilly remarried. Who specifically, the whole point of the investigation was, who get to keep having sex with each other. Fran JP2 had already solved the problem. Uh, the problem being, what if two... Um, people have gotten married that were away from the faith and they'd each been divorced. They come together, they have an illegitimate kid in a new union, a civil union, and then one or both of them come back to the church. Do they have to break up their family? Well, it's not not really a family, but um, not by the church's estimation. But um, this creates a kind of a philosophical aporia. An aporia is an insoluble question. Well, what, what do they do? Do they return to their spouses? Yes. The church's answer is always yes. Return to your spouse. That's the best. Now you have a kid though. So who does the kid go with? Well, JB2 said he made a change that was allowable, a morally licit change in 
familiaris consortio. This is at the center of everything we're talking about is uh, divorced and remarriage because it is the mark of Francis's pontificate. He said, yes, you could stay together, get different beds or whatever, and just you have to live Josephite, live as brother and sister. Problem solved. But what we know about leftists is they use something called like trolley car problems, analytic moral philosophy to come up like a mathematician, come up with an exception that will swallow the rule, come up with one instance, one possible instance, however obscure, where you throw the switch and the track goes here and therefore it's okay to kill someone. That, that's what the trolley car problem is in moral philosophy. Analytic it's sophistry. Yeah. It's sophistry. Um, and so that's what all this study commission is. So you'll hear later Joseph Strickland saying, "Why would he's being honest. Why, why, Raymond, would you study something that you just said can't be done? Because they're looking for the one exception that swallows the rule, which is exactly what Amoris Laetitia was. Um, and, and now... All around the world, all communion, all divorced and remarried can go to communion and keep having sex with each other. That means they're defiling the Eucharist. They're living in an objective state of sin. And if they don't repent, they will go to hell, even though the church has told them you can you can do this. So this is why the sophist and the philosopher matters. And I'm so glad you put it in these terms. I'm thankful. Good. Me too. Thanks. Here's the third clip of your video. Um your video in its third clip. It's it's a little longer, and I, I sped this one up even a little faster, but it's it got some important, <laughs> important stuff. You you So what you start out saying is that speech with a sophist is fruitless. One of Socrates' conclusions, because he tried it with about 37 of Athens' sophists, mm -hmm. and it never worked. It never works, because they will always have, they're slippery like an eel, they will always apply this principle of charity to parties they favor, and they will always malign in the most vile terms, the way Lofton did to Strickland, those That's they right. disfavor, okay? Because they can always slip in and out of using what's called the principle of charity, not real charity. Yeah, this principle no, it's fake. Of, right. Yeah, the fake charity where you say, oh, we have to interpret whatever Pope Francis says in any possible good light. Well, there's always possible good light. Even if you yeah. say, I'm going to go slay my wife. There's a possible good life. You could- uh, That could be very funny. Good... Yes. Yeah, you might- But I want to say this. Before you start that, did you push play? No, I, no go ahead. Say I do want to say, yeah, I think it's utterly fruitless to argue with a sophist, but, but it may be worth the attempt. I've done it countless times. But talking to Michael Lofton would be very, very difficult. But even so, I invited him on to City of Truth. That's the first thing. And he didn't get back to me. So then I wrote, okay, I'll take that as a no. And that, then I made that video. So yeah. I even invited him, even though I know it's kind of fruitless. Look, look, I, I mean, he, he knows that he's gone dark on me the last year. Um, right. I was in contact with him. Again, he, he made, if you go check his video, there's just so many on me. The only person he's done more videos than on me, I think is Taylor Marshall. I, I mean, mm. I'm not sure, but Hi. it's, it's pretty, pretty lame, man. Um, yeah. I, he, he used, he uses people as stepping stones and he yes. saw this as an opportunity yeah. during COVID people got sick of criticizing Francis, even as Francis got worse and worse and worse. And the mask came off more. That's right. They, they, retreated into Pope splaining the way they were in the first part of his pontificate before 16, 17, 18. That's really odd. He saw his moment 
And, you know, he'd switched religions a bunch of times. And he's just like, oh, this is what I can do. I can be the guy that's not considered a left calf. That's like a huge drum banger for the Pope. And I'll use sophistry and I'll, 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 I'll just, I'll be that guy. And it made his channel really big. And he did it by criticizing me and others. But I still say, because we're mentioning him so much, I hate myself for doing it. If he wants to come on this channel and debate you, or he'll never debate me. Debate me one-on-one. Michael, call me. Like, yeah. You could call Collect, like Apollo Creed says. You could call yeah. me Collect. Yeah. Call me, baby. Yeah. I will always debate your ass. I will always debate. I, I would anytime. No <laughs> prep needed on Amoris right. Letizia as the center right. of the, the Francis Pontificate. Okay. Right. He's That's not right. going to do it, though. He, he knows. No, I don't think so. I he knows what happened. But if he wants to, to debate you, because you're you're not he's not going to do it but you can I don't do think it. he's going to yeah I got 7 followers <laughs> well well and I don't think any of them are going to be won over by his arguments <laughs> well it, it's not about followers man you got yeah. truth on your side right right but but I for him it's probably about followers for me it's not about followers but for him he probably would just want to discuss something with somebody with a ton of followers and that's not me well, he could do it on this channel. Not that we have okay. tons, but we have we have more. Uh, and and um, I I would love to see you make these points at him. But he's, he's, okay. it's, it's moot. It's moot. So hey, moot. the people shit talk in the chat or shit posting yeah. saying, "Oh, have him on." You're a joke. You're clowns. Okay, here's why. Because he's always welcome on this channel. I would love to do it. <laughs> Call in right now. Call me. Collect. Call me. Collect. <laughs> Right. I'm going to keep it real with y'all on your baby mama. Like, come on, Michael Hofton. Come on. Come on, white chocolate. Let's go. Well, he's invited on my show, too. I invited no, no, him. Go on Steve's show. Go go on either. Both. I mean, go on dialogue both. with anybody. But it, it's it's not going to happen because he knows how ugly that would be for him. Mm-hmm. OK, so. Yeah. Right. And I mean, he made a living. Criticize, grew his channel, tripled his channel size by criticizing me where I'm like, just. Let's talk about it. He yeah. doesn't want to do that. Now let's let's right. get back to your let's go. Good, good points. This and you address what we're talking about right here. It's not profitable to to try with sophists. You are you know you you whatever. Lie down with dogs. You wake up with fleas. That's right. It's fruitless. I invited Michael onto this show to discuss this, and I got no response. And I believe that may be for the better. He made these public comments, which makes them fair game for public response. To begin with, Michael does the first sophistical trick of taking this letter and even certain lines out of context. Even out of the context of Bishop's thoughtful talk, which in aggregate, if you watch the whole thing, I think you'll agree, the entirety of it was overall benevolent. But beyond just the letter and just the talk, there's an enormous context to this entire situation that Michael seems to completely ignore, including the state of the world today, the state of the church today, Bishop's particular circumstances, and much more. But in this case, even what precedes and follows the reading of this letter is important for the fullness of the understanding, and he ignores that too. This is a mark of a sophist who isolates a point out of context and then casts his own interpretation on that, which does not square with truth or reality. Deeply problematic. Still, without getting into the details, as Michael does below, I believe it is enough for today to compare what Michael characterizes the letter as and what Bishop Strickland characterizes the letter as. Bishop Strickland says, and you'll hear it below, he says he characterizes the letter as written by someone who loves Jesus, but has given us very challenging words. The way Michael Lofton characterizes the letter is quite a bit different, starkly different. He characterizes it as demonic vitriol written by somebody who's possessed, who needs an exorcism, because he is spewing the vomit of Satan. Yikes. I love you, yikes. Instead of getting into the weeds of the details of what Michael Lofton says about every word of this letter, I propose we do a thought experiment. Before we start this experiment, you will have to familiarize yourself with the contents of the letter that I posted below. So we have two videos below, and let's say we have two characterizations. These two characterizations that I already mentioned about these, these videos from the two men, Michael and Bishop. 
And let's suppose we can only apply one characterization to one video and the other characterization to the other, and we have to commit to both. Again, the first characterization is that it's very challenging and even somewhat problematic. The second characterization is that it's demonic vitriol spewing the vomit of Satan. It's probable that neither one of these labels fits perfectly either one of the videos, but in the thought experiment, it should be fairly obvious that if we had to force the labels onto these videos, that there really is no contest. What Michael's video amounts to is a sophistical attack on Bishop Strickland. If there were valid points to make, they are buried in the snarky vitriol Michael tries to pass off as reason and theology. His style is torture and an obvious attempt to get the audience to question their own sense of reality. Yeah. Yeah. These are the things Michael says about Bishop. He says, and I quote, he seems like such a nice guy, but this is so infantile. Incredibly naive and almost infantile, and he doesn't even recognize the Bible when it's quoted to him. Maybe Bishop Strickland's thinking is so infantile that he doesn't understand the letter he is reading. Should he be a bishop? Should he be a bishop? Maybe he does know. Should he be a bishop? Sounds like he a rap. Understand what he read. He's incredibly incompetent and should That's not be. Fucking good. End quote. For the half of the Catholic population who finds Bishop Strickland to be one of the most faithful, the most courageous, and gentle bishops in the land, this is gaslighting in its classic form. At the end of this all, I did the thought experiment myself, and I conclude that the letter was very challenging and even somewhat problematic for all of its implications and thoughts. It's worth examining. It seems clear that, that as the good bishop says, the author loves Jesus. And certainly, as I already mentioned, I suspect he might have had some anger that encroached upon some of his words. But taken as a whole, one could never, in good faith, characterize its author as possessed by demons or spewing vomit from Satan, no matter how problematic it appears to be. Yikes. Watch the videos below. Yikes. And let me know the answer the thought experiment. Until next time. Would you would you clarify what the thought experiment was, Steve? I didn't I didn't fully understand what it was, and it sounds yeah. I, I love thought experiments. I've, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, my thought experiment. <laughs> I, know, I listen. I, I, I just I just this was my snap reaction to things, so I probably didn't articulate as well as I should have. But here's what I thought: you've got two entities. You have this letter that Bishop Strickland read, and then you have this sophistical gaslighting video that that Michael Lofton did. And then you have these two completely contrary characterizations of the letter. Bishop Strickland calls it very challenging. And, and Michael calls it demonic vitriol vomit spewing from Satan's mouth and claims that the author's possessed. Okay. Now, what I'm saying is this. What if you could take those two characterizations and you have to apply them to the least offensive way, either to the letter or to Michael Lofton's video? And my point is this, is that I, I agree with Bishop that the letter is very challenging. And I completely disagree with Michael's characterization of it, but I think his characterization of it really fits his video much, much better than it does the letter. That was my point. I see. I see. And that's a great point. Yeah. His characterization of um, Strickland's friend's letter uh, uh, applies much more to himself. Yes. Then, uh, yeah, I get, I get it. Yeah, I, absolutely. I no, not not as clear as I would have liked. Not my best moment. No, 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 no. Okay. It was, it was good. And I'm not making a joke because I, I do, I do joke on this channel probably more than a lot of Catholic content because you got to laugh if if you don't sure. cry, sure. you laugh. But I was not joking. Lofton makes these three to four hour videos, which which is very typical of sophistry. It takes mm -hmm. a long time to make a. a what should be a simple point, G our Lord said, let your yes mean yes, and yes. Our, your no mean no. Anything else comes from below. That's, That's right. Jesus. Um, that, that that was you in nine minutes. Your love for Bishop Strickland is evident. His love for Jesus and the deposit of faith is so evident. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was being maligned in kind of his low hour. And you're just like, this is truly bad. You respected the viewer's time. In nine minutes, I know we're going longer than mm. I normally go, but on my videos on average, if I look at my YouTube average, like 45 minutes, mm -hmm. 40 to 45, 
His yeah. average, I, I don't know what his official average is, but every time I see one, people send them to me and they're just laughing. Three to four hours, which is very typical of sophistry. So I do thank you for, for going through so much so quickly. I thought the thought experiment, I, I thought that's what you meant by it. And I'm like, that's that's good stuff, man. Because if charity is the watchword, then you got to apply it universally. And that's, right. uh, that's the problem. Not everyone can be right, can they? I, I mean, no. Bishop Strickland and Pope Francis can't both be right, can they, about, yeah. about the deposit of faith? Yeah. Yeah, and I want to say something about Bishop Strickland. It is very true that I love Bishop Strickland, but he himself would tell me, I think he would say this to me, and I think I've heard him say things like this. Don't defend me. Defend the truth. And, yeah. and I think it's really starkly obvious that Michael Lofton would say, defend me. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I, think he's a defender of the truth. I think, I think Lofton would say, to, to be fair to Lofton, I, I don't. I don't think he would say go out there and defend me, Michael Lofton. I think he would say defend not the truth, defend Pope Francis. Well, I, I, let me meet you in the middle. I think what his words, the realities his words point to are self-defensive. I don't think he would say defend me. I would say that the character, the things he says are defending his assertions. Well, but okay. So here, here's where I have to disagree with you. Um, I've known who this guy was for a long time, you know, okay. like little ankle biter. Yeah. And you know, it's, 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 he's got a rep. He's got a rep for, for that's well-earned for really just biting everyone's ankles. I called him up on the phone and I was like, look, man, I mean, people, people know, um, you know, that I've had disagreements with Marshall. Now I agree with Marshall a lot more often than I agree with Michael often, but I was like, you can't do 10 videos on the guy in a month. I was trying to help him out. I was like, it makes you look like a, a you know, Johnny come lately or a little, little brother. You can't little brother. I mean, just for your own good. That, it doesn't mean I agree with your, what you're saying or disagree with it. Um, but I, there was a time I literally called him. I remember we were in Wyoming and I was like, dude, uh, don't, you can't little brother everyone. It's just a, it's a bad look. So he, in this new phase, he's he's a phase guy, right? Mm -hmm. So he's, or I think he's been Orthodox. I think he's been Protestant. I think he's been something else too. And he's mm -hmm. been back and forth with some of them multiple times. Catholic, in, out, uh, trad. Yeah, new, new wife, right? Old wife. Uh, so he's definitely a phase guy. Sure. And I'm, I'm not a phase guy. I don't understand phase guys. I'm a, I'm a tried and true guy. I, I don't even just jump into, look, I, I'm, I suspect... Francis's inception as Pope, but I don't jump on the Ed Mazza and Pat Coffin, who I'm close with. They're like, why don't you just join team, uh, you know, Francis ain't Pope. I'm like, cause there's, there's, there's a lot of evidence. There's not enough to get me to the other side. We need the Cardinals to say it and they won't say it. So, but, but Lofton's reputation well-earned is that he was saw an opportunity to be the guy that's not considered completely ridiculous, like a left calf, like national Catholic distorter. Cause that's, mm -hmm. that's not where he was. The guy that knows some theology that's, that's, yeah, I was, I, I'm making jokes about him being a white rapper and stuff. That's, that's really silly. We all laugh at it, but, but he does, he does have some train, some serious training in theology 
And he's not ridiculous like the reporters at National Catholic Reporter. I mean, I don't think they try to rap for a living or whatever he does. Mm-hmm. But in, in other ways, he's a little more intellectually serious, notwithstanding the rap. Um, and so he saw his moment to like, look, make it about Pope Francis. Make it about Pope Francis. Because this sounds really good. So you scoop up a lot of midwits. I'm going to defend the Pope. That's my boy. Right? Like, Yes, that's all. the 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 office of pontificate is should always be defended. Doesn't mean we we haven't had thirty to thirty five anti popes. We have that fooled a lot of people. They have, um, but doesn't mean Francis is an anti pope. That's true. But also we've had some really really evil popes that aren't apparently as evil as Francis. So he just saw an opportunity. He took it. We all knew where he was going. So I think I think again because. Uh, you and I are both big defenders of learning Aristotelian rhetoric. It it's good rhetoric to say like I'm I'm you know don't defend me defend Pope Francis. Me and you say don't defend me don't defend Steve don't defend Pope Francis defend the truth because the truth is a person that's Jesus Christ in the deposit of faith. It that's just right. so happens that when you have a pope that demotes the holiest bishop in the church because. He loved the deposit of faith too much or believed it was immutable. That's the real heart of the matter. Then you have to pick between Pope Francis and the deposit of faith. What do you say? Yeah, I, I'm not sure we're disagreeing that much. Um, at the heart of the sophist is self-reference. And if that's not defending self, even if it appears to be Francis, it was his choice to make Pope Francis the object of his defense. And it was based on his own lights. But uh, I find the whole situation very troubling. And I have been told that Michael Lofton has had serious moments. I just met the guy last week. I just saw about four or five of his videos. And what I said in that nine minute video characterizes, I think, I think well, his style of sophistic, sophisticated or sophistic argumentation and gaslighting. And gaslighting literally means to, to have somebody question reality as it is. So yeah. you think you know a guy like Bishop Strickland, and most people think they do, nationally reputation, and then he on purpose tries to disabuse you of that and make you think something else that doesn't square with reality. That's gaslighting. Right. And, and that is clearly what he's doing. That's a great point. That Oh, man. That's such a – so you said que- it, it, a gaslighter makes you question your own sense of reality. Well, because Bishop Strickland is so in in I mean this in the I I know he might be watching this one. So I he is my favorite person in the episcopate. Uh he's wise in ways a holy bishop should be wise as a successor mm-hmm. to the apostle. I know he's not perfectly wise and I know he'd say that, but let, let's not get into the false humility. He's wise. He's simple in the ways that they should be simple. Mm-hmm. A simple love for Jesus Christ. And his countenance bears it out. I, I'm a big believer in physiognomy, man. And the thing <laughs> is, when you try to, to get me to question my own sense of reality, Bishop Strickland, I know he seems like a nice guy. Doesn't he say this in one of his little raps? He's like, he seems like a nice guy. But yeah. look, I want to, whatever, I was going to make a rap. But, you know, <laughs> he seems like a nice guy, but he ain't so fly. Like that, <laughs> the Michael Lofton way, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we need Christian Christian Mario. Some some of the some of the the ortho bros roast Lofton really funny. I'll, I'll send it to you afterwards. Oh, please, please send that to me. He's, he's gaslighting you about something that we all know. That's 
I don't want to say precognitive, but one intuits the yeah. fundamental goodness of this man. That's right. And, um, and, 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 oh, you're just saying that. No, they demoted him and they basically told him it's because he loved the deposit of faith too much. And they gave no other evidence of right. malfeasance because there is none. Right. And then he's gaslighting us also in reverse with Francis. He's saying, look, you think, you know, all, why do all American conservatives, Protestant or secular conservatives or Orthodox, oh man, they're kind of hard to answer to because they're more reasonable than Protestants. They just skewer us over Francis. Why do all conservatives who aren't Catholic just laugh when Francis' name get brought up? Because Everyone knows something about him. He's a man of the far, far left. He is the um, even sweet Jim Caviezel now calls him the Rothschild Pope. I couldn't believe Jim Caviezel even turned on. He's another just nice guy. Well, right. everyone knows he's the Rothschild Pope. Everyone knows he's the furthest left. Everyone knows he's he's you know he is the anti-doctrine Pope. And mm -hmm. he hangs out with Jeffrey Sachs and Emma Bonino, the greatest abortionist in Italy. Hangs mm -hmm. out at the WEF. He, mm -hmm. he is so his reputation precedes him. Lofton also does what he does to Strickland with the gaslighting to make him the good seem bad. Yeah, he gaslights with Francis to make the bad seem good. He but sure does. That's your Pope boy, that's my boy. Yeah, that's my boy. Like that's that, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He yeah. makes the good seem bad and the bad seem good. And that's and right. bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal. There can't they can't both be good, man. They can't both be good. Tim, can I emphasize three words he uses to describe the good bishop? So lay, lay it on me. Spit it Look, he's, yeah, on he suggests body. that bishop is naive. He suggested that he's infantile. And yeah. he suggested that he was incompetent. No now, cap. No cap. No cap. So that if, if now if those things are true, wow. But if they're not true, then it's yeah, then it's then it's evidence of gaslighting. That's my only point I got to make. It's got to be emphasized. It's unbelievable that that he can allow those words to come out of his mouth concerning the bishop when he's even had him on the show three times. He he says, or something like that. Uh, I'm gonna spit some bars at y'all. Hold on, it came to me. <laughs> you got something, don't you? <laughs> this guy's ridiculous. So look, there are these three moments in this letter. Uh, it, he, it's 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 objectionable. Come on. I, um, this, okay. So this is what the letter said. And I, again, you and, and Bishop, two, two of my favorite mans, two of my favorite mans, uh, you guys each say this is uncomfortable for you. I respect you. I, I'll, I'll defer. I don't, I'm not uncomfortable by the letter that Bishop Strickland read. Uh, here's one line. The Synod has gathered cowards in Rome. Those mm -hmm. who not only refuse to die for our Lord, which is a higher measure mm -hmm. and his church, but demand his eternal truths be changed. Now, this is the most accurate synopsis in one line, or on my whiteboard, two lines, that I've heard over the last 10 years. And, and um, the, the cardinals, uh, the, the cowards in Rome, or include the Pope, right? Demand his eternal truths be changed. That's what synod on synodality is. It's a demand that the truths be changed. So not only will they not die for the truth, the way is more mediocre or common among maybe faithful, mediocre people, midwits. Um, but more than that, these cowards demand that the eternal truths be changed. And again, you have to pick a side. So I, I'm not uncomfortable with that line from the letter, are you? No, not at all. 
Not at all. I think when we, what I would say, Bishop says it's very challenging. I would say perhaps problematic in a prudential sense, partly because this is, I think, a private letter read publicly. And there's a difference. The way you and I talk to each other in private, Tim, is going to be a little bit different than it is here on the show. And with good reason. There's a nuance with, with intimacy and familiarity. I'm there? pretty open book, right? I talk pretty much like that. A little no, you, bit more. A little bit. Do. I might lean into like the white rapper with, with certain words. Yeah. I heard extensive raps yesterday that I will not hear on this show. I'm sure of that. But but my point is is that I can understand while ripped out of context the way Michael does it, it really could it could appear to be more problematic than it actually is. So it's that's one way for him to gaslight and to color things. Yeah. But, uh, but no, of course, I don't disagree with uh, most of the contents of the letter. It seems really important to me. It's not Is written by a man possessed by Satan. Sorry. Yeah. It's not written by a man possessed by Satan. That's, no, no, no. This guy's you know, off base. Whoever wrote yeah. this letter, does he ever name him? He probably doesn't. Dude, I don't know his name. I want to I want to hang out with I want to hang out with you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think he's a good man. He quotes from Ignatius of Antioch. It is outrageous yeah. to how based is this? It is outrageous to utter the name of Jesus Christ and live in Judaism. Boom. That's, Boom. My drop. Yes. That's that's like yeah, that's awesome. That is my kind of Christianity, Ignatius of Antioch. Um, and and then he does okay. So I guess where I probably agree with you and the vision, I don't think I disagree, is this word usurper. I yeah, this is. This is pretty close to calling him. I, I'd say it's in terms it's of strong. the yeah. quiddity of usurper and the quiddity of antipope are rather, rather univocal. A person who taught who takes a position of power illegally or by force. Now, I do think we're in the situation where there's a, a great amount. Uh, philosophers refer to it as a buttload of evidence. <laughs> evidence that um, the pontificate was taken illegally, judging by... Uh, uh, university diminished egregious um by force maybe maybe not uh there, there are some some interesting stories that need to be looked into that where you could say usurper but he's not he's not ipso facto late sententiae not pope as of right now you need some cardinals to have some testicular fortitude which is not something they have much of mm -hmm. um in order to make this declaratio which maybe they will, maybe they won't. So I, I, I there's a lot of evidence. There's probably probably easily enough of a modicum of evidence to later like depope him. But will that happen historically? That's the interesting thing. Our ontology is partly contingent. That's the way our ecclesiology works. Mm -hmm. the, the the bishops, the college, the college of cardinals, they could or could not later depope Francis with the same amount of evidence. So talking about thought experiments i would just say i'm mildly uncomfortable with usurper sure as yeah, a word but just because i'm not a formal guy that says i know with substantial yeah. certitude that francis is an anti-pope I, I i'm not there i i think i'm not there either not even i know there's enough evidence to with a certain if you had a bunch of right-wing cardinals it would it would it would happen overnight but he that's why francis has protected his own legacy by having more consistories of cardinals in 10 years than I think the church has ever had. I don't think any Pope's ever done as many consistories as Francis has. So I guess I'm, I'm with you guys on a, a little bit. Um, usurper is, is um, strange, but here, here's the thing. I want to close 
by well there, there's a lot i wanted to do and, and we're not we're not quite getting to it but um right same i had like two more hours worth of content for you i know maybe well look i want to so i'm gonna do this heiner vilmer show to show you the vilmer the villain that is um the guy francis thought should be the highest cardinal wow. under him um the, the doctrinal chief and say this is the guy Francis brought up, the worst worst man in the episcopate. This is the I think the best man in the episcopate. He's the one he just demoted, which is mm-hmm. unprecedented without a crime to go along with it. Right. But I think I think we would you like would you be free to come on and do the Heiner Vilmer show uh, with you this week and and then you can just respond to that stuff and you can it's going to be all in the context of this show. Um, Good. Let's do it. Okay, so let so we'll, we'll we'll do that. Who knows? Maybe even tomorrow. But can I can I play some Strickland quotes? You can dump whatever yes. you have in that other show. But yeah, let me. Exactly. I just I I just I want to let this man talk for himself. And he he spoke just um, two and a half days ago with with Raymond Arroyo, and uh, he might be coming on the show next week. But I can't I can't guarantee that. So um, listen listen to some of these points. I'll just let you react, Steve. I. I spend a lot of time in prayer. Uh, that's because I need to. I need to grow closer yeah. to the Lord, and I feel that closeness. And when ancient truths that Christ proclaimed that are recorded in Scripture that the church has taught for years seem to be up for debate, I've been, I mean, that's one of the things that was listed. I wasn't supportive of the Synod, and, you know, I stand by that. Um, as I said in one of the tweets, I said, why are we discussing things that shouldn't be up for discussion? It's yeah. settled truth that God has revealed to us as far as everything I know. And this development that t- is talked about, the church needs to change. Change, yes, to grow closer to the sacred heart of Christ. Yeah. but to change and reverse direction. That's contrary to the development of doctrine, as I understand it. Let me. What do you say, Steve? That, that's just. I don't think there's anything to say. That's just beautiful. That's well, I mean, it's, it's also what I've been saying on this show for five years. Sure. Okay. Like, sure. I just, I, I just want to say that, like, it doesn't matter if you attain a certain office guys. If you become president like Joe Biden, you don't get to make up down. Right. Right. That's it's, right. It's no more true with Pope. You can't make up down. Yeah. And that's that's what this pontificate is. And that's what the synod's all about. And I I think I think um it's the, the closest reason, the closest thing to a reason that he received for his sudden demotion was you are talking about the deposit of faith which is unchanging the portion the rule of our faith tradition and scripture in infallible and inerrant respectively you're talking about those and we don't talk about those as if they're a thing and he was struggling to characterize it so Okay, next one. God, God bless Bishop Strickland. That's all I can say about that. Uh, God bless this man, and I, I don't know what to call him because I'm not trying to be like one of these, you know, insurrectionists that's like still calling. Uh, he's not laicized, so it's still Bishop, right? I, I I call him Bishop Strickland until I learn 
from him what the what the proper title is. I just don't know well, what it's, it is. It's also just like everything under Francis is unprecedented. It, it's precedented to have anti-popes, but assuming for the, the moment that he's not an anti-pope, we've never had a pope like him. He's by far the worst ever. We've never had a pope that made this direct an assault on everything and mm-hmm. on the good guys. Um, you know, it would be like if you had Napoleon or something take the pontificate get just going after the good guys, you know, like, like Mary said would happen at Akita, uh, good bishops and good priests would be scorned by their confreres. Ring any bells. Um, (laughs) It it has to be a bad guy at the top. And um, it's all unprecedented. So uh, a bishop being demoted before he's 75 or whatever the retirement, 80, whatever it is, uh, for a non-crime has never happened in anybody's memory. That's what Arroyo was saying. I don't know about it because right. we've never. So again, this all points back to France. We're trying to point everyone back to the truth. Well, all the bad stuff points back to Francis. It's all unprecedented. We've never had a non-crime committing canonical or, or, or legal crime committing Bishop be retired that anyone knows about before right. 75 or 80, whatever the age is. Um, right. So no one knows what the hell to call him. Well, I don't know what to call you, Bishop Strickland, except just one of my heroes. I just, I just, yeah, it's just that simple. Change, change yes, to grow closer to the sacred heart of Christ, yeah. but to change and reverse direction, that's contrary to the development of doctrine, as I understand it. Let me probe into that question, because some outlets have been reported. When you met with Cardinal Pierre uh, at the Nunciature in Washington, that he said something to you of the effect of the Holy Father is watching you. And I'm quoting from other periodicals. The Holy Father is watching you. You need to stop talking about the deposit of faith. There is no deposit of faith, end quote. Do you recall an exchange like that? Well, that was from a couple of years ago. And to to be a little more precise about it, I wouldn't say that um, His Eminence, uh, then he was Archbishop two years ago, but Mm -hmm. um, His Eminence uh, Christophe Pierre basically discounted. Uh, That's the way that I heard it. Discounted the, you know, it's like quit emphasizing this deposit of faith so much. It's not what we need to focus on. Mm -hmm. I I can't... um, quote directly that he said it doesn't exist but it definitely Mm -hmm. wasn't an emphasis and that's what they were telling me two years ago quit emphasizing this so much and get with the program is what i heard i mean he didn't use those you notice steve how honest he's trying to be like yes because i know how this is it's like a two-hour lunch from two or three years ago and the guy's completely eschewing the deposit of faith which is ontologically supposedly inerrant right so when the guy's saying no 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 no, we can violate it you, you stop talking about it stop teaching from it before bishop strickland i think he told terry my friend terry barber and he, i think he told other people yeah he said like basically it doesn't exist and then arroyo's quoting strickland back to strickland and strickland is such a holy honest man he's like well wait when i said that before what i meant to, it's not walking it back because yeah. ontologically speaking he really was fired by people who believe the deposit of faith is not inerrant the way that we believe it is. So it doesn't exist qua right. uh, the substrate that we've always 
had it taken a B. So he's trying to intone this honestly without, and he wants it to be still strong, but he wants to make sure not to slander. So you, you, I just, I, this, there are so many tells when you're dealing with a good, honest man that like, I, I feel like sometimes I, I get into this too. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm Bishop Strickland or as holy. I'm just saying I relate to him because he's like, no, no, no. What Pierre said was so egregious, but it was over the course of two hours. I don't have a recording. I didn't take notes. He was just talking over the course intermittently of two hours of the deposit of faith, the rule of Christian live, the rule of Christian belief, scripture and tradition, things that can't change as if they don't even exist because they're not inerrant the way old old fashioned codgers like Strickland and and faithful Catholics believe that the only way I could intone it was by saying that he said it doesn't exist he's he's struggling to be honest but still strong and that's that's a mark of an honest man oh yeah i have i have a personal experience with that and i don't even think i should say this publicly but i'm going to a Do few yeah. a few years back I had a really unfortunate situation where um, I was excoriated and canceled by um, by by my community. I remember, and it had nothing to do at all with the good bishop, nothing at all. And we met after all this fallout had happened, and he sat with me for breakfast. And the first thing he said to me he said, uh, "If you're struggling with what's going on, please please vent so I can feel some of your some of your difficulties." Something had nothing to do with him. He tried to take on the difficulty of the disorder. And uh, I, I just thought that was an incredible, incredible moment. What a holy man a holy to, man. to offer to do that. And of course, I declined. I said, no, but what a gracious, holy shepherd. It was just a wonderful, I don't know, nothing needed to be said beyond that, I thought. When I got, when I got canceled uh, by BLM devotees in California. Uh, I was there. I remember. Theology department. Yeah, I... We left. We went to Las Vegas. We literally got out of our house in our little, little shanty town, Bakersfield there. Got out of our house because we didn't know of BLM. They were storming through, um, you know, cities in America, setting stuff on fire. I didn't know. My, my case had, was going into the paper uh, yeah, on right. fri- Friday morning. I got fired on a Wednesday and right. I was on the front page of Bakersfield paper. You know, this is one of one of the biggest, one of the top 75 biggest cities in America with lots of... um a large urban population. Let's say that. So we're like, let's peace out. We got in our RV and we went to Las Vegas just because, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, five hour drive. I get a call from him Friday or Saturday morning from his office. And they're like, look, he wants to offer you any job because oh. he knows who you are. And he just wants, he knows you're good. And he knows that you suffer for the truth and you have a family and yeah. I hadn't had him on my show at that point. I was just an admirer. Um, me right. and Marshall had done some some rooting for Strickland on on TNT mm-hmm. a year or two before that. But he he was the only bishop that contacted me, and I I took a stand for Catholic social teaching, Catholic sexual teaching against this group that says they want to destroy the nuclear family, and most of the bishops because they're in the um the the they're they're the fat kids at fat camp. The other bishops, let's just say mm-hmm. that. They they were siding with BLM, a lot of them. But he I he's just clearly, I know it as plainly as I'm sitting here. Good, good, good. That doesn't mean perfect. He'd tell you that. I don't I don't really care anyway. I, I never had much use for perfection, but 
Yeah, your story just gels with this is what Terry Barber. Listen to Terry Barber talk about him. Listen to mm-hmm. Jesse Romero. All the guys in the church that I look to that are a, a little bit older than me, you, Jesse, Terry, everyone loves this man. Mm-hmm. You, Jesse, and Terry, in your whatever 50s, everyone has the same opinion of him. And so does anyone who's honest, that's not a sophist, that's ever had dealings with this man. That's right. So, and there's no crimes brought against him. It's not even like we're defending him against a purported crime. The Vatican's like, yeah, you didn't do any crime. You believe in the deposit of faith. Modern crime. It's a, it's a modern crime. It's a thought crime. It is crime. Yeah. Change to change. Change, yes. To Here's his another church. Question. But to have a situation, um, and some people have mentioned names. I'm not going to mention names, but... Um, there are bishops that are closely connected, woven into the McCarrick story. McCarrick. And mm-hmm. there, there's been no action against them. Um, McCarrick. That, that double standard is troubling. But what's more deeply troubling is, as I said five years ago, do we believe what our Catholic faith teaches or not? I said that on the floor of the bishops' meeting five years ago. Of course you do. Sadly, the answer that I seem to be getting, not directly, but by circumstance, by who people are associating with, by what's going on with the Senate, the answer seems to be no. We don't believe that any longer. Note, again, same tell. Same tell of an honest man. And I have I have a million flaws, but I, I do the same. He, the answer I seem to be getting is no. Less honest people would go, same answer I seem to be getting is no. He yeah. wants to make sure that he, you know it's not a direct quote. He says, not 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 directly, but I, I'm judging by behaviors and, and indicia, other indicia, nonverbal indicia, is right. no. You see, there, there are little ways that people with judgment can read the signs of the times. And the fools and the midwits and the sophists can't read the signs of the times. But you hear right. how he's troubling even to, he's, he's bothering himself to try to... Uh, be honest even when he he knows rhetorically it it would suffice it would do well for him to make a strong case in a in a given instance here he now he mentions mccarrick i'm going to play this mccarrick quote one more time okay because mccarrick is in a, a, a dear friend of pope francis's pope francis covered up for him a, a lot of the the young people that have come into the church since 2018 after 2018 don't know this huge scandal francis covered for mccarrick when he first came at McCarrick is one of the main guys who used to hang out at St. Gallen. He's not called one of the St. Gallen mafia cardinals, but he, uh, according to the testimony of James Grime, McCarrick brought him to St. Gallen, Switzerland, um, as he was molesting him. And um, he, so he's intimately linked in with this guys. Some people say McCarrick is the most powerful man in America, not prelate. He was the kingmaker. McCarrick was with this mysterious Italian gentleman who made Francis, Casper's in that group, the brain behind the brain trust behind Francis, all of the bad guys, Heiner, Heiner Wilmer represents a younger contingent that would be the, the beneficiaries of all this. And, um, and Strickland said, look, I'm not going to name names, but why am I being demoted when McCarrick acolytes are being raised to positions of power? Here's McCarrick six months after Francis became Pope, I already played it. I want to play it again. I want you to know who this man is, McCarrick, and who this man, Francis, is. McCulley was a friend of mine. 
because I, I, the community, the religious, I live in a religious community in Washington, and it's a community that was founded in Argentina. So, you know, they were always talking about the goal with the Archbishop in Argentina. And about maybe just before we went into the general conversations when everybody could talk, very interesting and, and influential Italian gentleman came to ask if he'd come to see me. So I said, sure, and he came to see me at the seminary, the American college where I was staying. We sat down. This is a very brilliant man, very influential man in Rome. Uh, and he, we talked about a number of things. He had a favor to ask me for back to the United States. But then he said, what about Bergoglio? And I was surprised at the, at the question. I said, what about him? He said, does he have a chance? I said, I don't think so, because I no one's mentioned his name. I, he hasn't. He hasn't been in the in the anyone's mind, and I don't think it's I don't think it's on anybody's mind to vote for him. He said he could do it, you know. I said, what could he do? He said he could reform the church. He gave him five years; he could put us back on target. And he's seventy-six. Said, yeah, five years. If he had five years, the Lord working through Bergoglio in five years could make the church over again. The creepiest word in that is the word Lord. What Lord is he talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's I, I don't know, but I, I know I actually know what, what he's talking about with the rest of it. He could remake the entire church. Um yeah. and, and he really has. Um that's why it would be so great if you know if we get some retroactivity uh with, with a college of cardinals later. But this is I mean, so Strickland says, I don't want to name names. But all these guys are in power. I'm being demoted. Well, of course you're being demoted. And Steph keeps saying, I'm so sad for, for Bishop Strickland. That's that's a girl's approach to this, a woman's approach to this. I'm not mm -hmm. sad for him. I know he's he's happy to fight. I I it's unjust. But mm -hmm. um, like Aristotle says, it's better to suffer an injustice than to commit one, right? And uh oh for sure. For sure. Our Lord loves someone that's willing to suffer an injustice. So I'm not I'm not sad for him at all. He was built for this. Notice all so many of the other bishops are big and fat. They're all fat asses. He's lean. He's fighting trim. He's holy. You could tell he all these guys are gluttons, man. Uh, they, they're all fat. That that tells you again, physiognomy. What does that tell you? Someone, how can you be holy if you're fat? You can't. You can't even control uh what is temperance. Aristotle tells us it's the moderation of touch and taste. Many of these bishops moderate neither their appetites for taste or touch yeah. all right so he's thin. also has holy mirth i don't know if you know that but he's he has a very beautifully tempered sense of humor does he it doesn't he surprise enjoys me laughing. he enjoys smiling and he's he's it's a it's an artifact of holiness i think but did you see the the interview with the national catholic distorter guy i forget his name uh i'll make fun of his last name getting in Strickland's face outside of the bishops uh, meeting USCCB in Baltimore, asking him all these gotcha questions. I yeah. tweeted that out. Yeah, he's so nice. I mean, not not nice in like a, a weak way because yeah, he's willing to put it all on the table. Oh, he's affable and he's accommodating. I, yeah, it's like I, he's got he's got all the best of both sides. You know, I, yeah. you hear me criticize nice Catholics a lot. I, I mean, yeah. too too often it, it's it goes with being effeminate. You know, not oh, and by the way, M Michael Lofton used that video, compared it to the Raymond Arroyo video, to cast suspicion, more suspicion upon the good bishop, 
just so you know, in his latest video. I'll have to. No, I, I don't think I can bring myself to watch. Don't look at it. Don't watch it. What white chocolate lofton? But I, I mean, I, you know, Eminem, vanilla ice lofton. Okay, uh, here's another one. Today, where are the findings? Where is the the evidence of this? You know, a canonist told uh, the, our Sunday visitor the following. I'll put this up. Uh, he says this removal was administrative. The removal does not of itself entail any wrongdoing. It's just a pastoral judgment that the ministry has become detrimental or ineffective in that particular place. That's Father John Beale, a professor of canon law at CUA. Your response. And did the Holy See communicate that you had mismanaged the diocese to you? No. And uh, I mean, John Beale was one of my professors when I studied Canada law. He's a good man. But, uh, you know, to I think to administratively remove a bishop just because, I mean, the Pope doesn't like how you're administering the diocese. That's um, pretty serious. And, and I think I encouraged some of the bishops that I have spoken to 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 really look at the question. It's, it's not about me. It's done. Um, but for the future, uh, it's it's pretty arbitrary. Uh, it's pretty much just in the the Holy Father has that authority. But to to exercise it in that way, I don't think it's the best thing for the church. Um, you know, I'm. I call people that listen to the show parish orphans and retrogrades. When I listen to this man talk. I don't feel like a parish orphan anymore. I, I, I'm being honest now. And uh, I'm being real with you. Uh, um, I, yeah, but now he's he's like whatever, a retired bishop or not a bishop anymore. So I feel like a parish orphan again. I just, uh, now there was a, a tweet uh, by Strickland. I know Lofton made a big deal out of this. I think even at the time, May the 12th, 2023. Please allow, and I do remember this because I'm, I'm friends with Patrick Coffin. And I remember this. It was with, with Patrick Coffin's conference he was putting together. Strickland backed out because he was like, I didn't even know Coffin was a Bene Plenist. Um, so there there was that mini, mini debacle. I think it was understandable on all sides, in my view. But mm -hmm. he said, please allow me to clarify regarding Patrick Coffin has challenged the authenticity of Pope Francis, end quote. If this is accurate that, that, France, that Coffin's done that, then I disagree. I believe Pope Francis is the Pope, but it is time for me to say that I reject his program of undermining the deposit of faith. Follow mm. Jesus. Um. Mm. So, uh, yeah, uh, th th that's that's pretty clear. It's like I, I obviously later. I, I don't think he's saying it's impossible that Francis turns out to be an anti-pope. You never know until after. No pope is declared anti-pope during. Um, they're all declared afterwards, and we do have them quite frequently. But he's saying, for now, I'm going to call him Pope. I mean, he's basically got my view. But what I do know, what I strictly know, what I, Timothy J. Gordon know with certitude is, um, I reject Francis's program 100% of undermining the deposit of faith. Follow Jesus. Don't follow Francis. Follow Jesus. I know that I will take that to my deathbed. Should it be untimely? That that always follow Jesus conveyed through, you know, 265 pontificates. Now in 266, you know, they, they, there it is. Did you have anything on that, Steve? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're implying or adding sacred tradition, then I'm with you 100%. Um, yeah, and I think that could be confusing on its face a little bit. But you are implying that, you know, built on the rock of Peter, the apostolic succession, the sacred tradition through the ages, as, as it's manifest through Jesus and his holy saints, for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, sure. Okay. Let me do the next <laughs> I wasn't sure which. Let's you... just move on from that ASAP. Yeah, are you are you uncomfortable? I, no, that's, that's a Strickland tweet from May. Yeah, no, I read that. I think today, earlier. Yeah. I mean, it's a good one. It's a good one. I, I think it's a banger. Because he, he says, "Look, I'm not a Benny Plenis, but um, I, I I have to pick. You have to pick. Everyone has to pick. Bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal. At least when it comes to the doctrine." The deposit of faith conversation originated with the nuncio. Well, I think that's certainly a part of it. Um, and really, frankly, Raymond, the simple answer that I can give, two years ago, the Vatican, one of the offices, clearly said in relation to the you know same-sex unions and all of that controversy, the Vatican said, we cannot bless sin. And now, two years later, well, at we think that's up for debate. No, it's not. Mm. And that's what I mean. That's part of the deposit of faith. That is serving the people of God. That's being a, a successor of the apostles to tell people, this is sinful, repent and return to the path of Christ. To say, mm. oh, well, we don't, we're not sure it's sinful anymore. I do disagree. And I feel obligated before the Lord, before Jesus Christ, to say, no, no well, that's not what he did. Yeah. Well, so remember, yeah. bold, masculine, declarative statements. No, it's not, he says. It's not okay. It can't change in two years' time. Ladaria affirmed there can't be blessings of SSUs, SS right. unions. Mm -hmm. Francis, who'd, who'd said as Buenos Aires bishop, he liked the idea. And then he said it again two years ago. I like it. He was contradicting his own uh, uh, CDF at the time. That's why he got rid of Ladaria, they think, mm -hmm. is because of that. And now now it's been um, uh, addressed in a dubia, right? In one of the dubia. Yeah, we're going to, this is a good idea. Um, Strickland will say, no, it's not okay. That's the principle of non-contradiction. That's right. That's that's how he has all this certitude. He's not saying I have certitude about Francis's election, but I'm sure that the principle I'm more certain that the principle of non-contradiction is real than I am that the Pope. Conversation originated with the nuncio. Let's hear it again. Well, I think that's certainly a part of it. Um, and really, frankly, Raymond, the simple answer that I can give two years ago, the Vatican one of the offices clearly said in relation to the you know same-sex unions and all of that controversy the vatican said we cannot bless sin and now two years later well we think that's up for debate no it's not mm. okay see that no it's not so i think yeah. this, this is why he's removed he said as a bold declarative statement no, it's not up for debate, but he's is he putting himself higher than the Pope? Uh, kind of. 
um, in, in an accurate way, in the sense of truth. He, Pope Francis says that's up for debate the same way he said communion for divorced and civilly remarried is up for debate. And then he 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 flipped it. He flipped the, the inalterable right. teaching. He he did that with uh, SS unions. And you hear it there. That's why Lofton hates him. He says, oh, you think you're higher than the Pope? Um, yes, he can say, no, it's not. If the deposit of faith is unchanging, A, and the principle of non-contradiction is real, yes, even a layman can say that. No, it's not, Pope Francis. Certainly. Yeah. What do but you that's say? where you're putting the truth above the Pope, not, not yourself. Yeah. And the other thing is, that's in that letter. That's in that letter where they said, you're calling people to the church and telling them they come as they are with no need of repentance. Yes. That will cost eternal souls. That's a really important point. It's it's crucial. And it's uncharitable, too. It's uncharitable. As nice as it sounds, it's hellish. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Look, I, I mean, we this video is so inextricably bound up in the three videos I've been wanting to do. I was thinking of going boom, 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 Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on Eugenio Scalfrey, mm. uh, uh, Heiner Wilmer, mm -hmm. annulments. People will be shocked by what uh, happened between the amount of annulments in the church in 1968, 318. By 1974, when Vatican II had been implemented, uh, like 18,000, or no, 28,000, like mm. 8,500%. So you're letting people think they're saved when they're going to go to hell. If you, if you tell people you have an annulment and they don't, the Roman Rota says 95% of them are invalid then you're just an adulterer thinking you're safe. It's like a, do a cancer doctor telling you, I don't see any tumor when they yeah, do. You're fine. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. It's like, yeah, you want that. You're fine from the doctor. But yeah. um, that, that that's what's going on, man, is, is people are being told you are confirmed in how you're living. You can continue having sex, dirty sex with someone besides your spouse, and you can receive the Eucharist. Strickland is saying, no, you can't do that. And yes, he is saying that basically to the Pope. And sure. guys like Lofton want a liberal Pope, I think for maybe personal reasons. Aristotle says men wage revolutions for personal reasons. With Lofton, it's not hard to find out, right? He's one of these guys who's divorced, uh, allegedly, I've heard, divorced and remarried. Hmm. Well, a Pope that says, yeah, you can get, you really can get divorced and remarried either through making annulments basically rubber stamp, or even if you can't get an annulment, well, I don't know anyone that couldn't get an annulment. It's a rubber stamp now since Vatican mm -hmm. II. I, so I don't even understand the point of those two family synods. For that small, small, small minority of people that are denied an annulment, many dioceses have denied zero persons annulments mm -hmm. in, in 50 years. Wow. Um, well, you can go get communion anyway, and no, you don't have to... Uh, read Familiaris Consortio. Francis literally overturned Familiaris Consortio, uh, which is J JP2's papal magisterium saying, yes, you just have to live as brother and sister with your adulterous second spouse. Francis directly contradicted it. Are you saying that's not a contradiction? And also 2,000 years of teaching. So yes, one can be very confident that Strickland is right and Pope Francis is wrong and that this is why he was demoted. I mean, he, he says it. And a, a letter from, I, I believe you described it as a faithful uh, Catholic on Facebook, 
Did you know you were going to be relieved of your position when you read that Facebook post? And it contended, suggested that the Pope may not be legitimate. Do you accept that the Pope is legitimate? Why did you read the letter? I read the letter and, you know, I mean, you, how you read things, but I presented that letter. It was presented to me. There was a lot of challenge to me personally in that letter. If you read the whole thing, it's saying, mm -hmm. Bishop, do you want to guard the truth or just keep your job? Um, that was basically the challenge. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so the way I read it, it, it used the word usurper, which is very strong. But what mm -hmm. I understood from that letter was that it was saying, and what I was being told is the Pope is using the authority of the chair of Peter to change what Christ has said. And to me, that, that's the nuance that I had. I didn't read it as saying, because like I said, I believe that Pope Francis is the Pope. I mean, there's been no clear statement. I mean, if he's not the Pope, who is? <laughs> um, mm. He is the Pope. Uh, but it's a, it's a tragic thing for me to say, I seriously disagree with some of the things that the Holy Father, the man who holds the Petron office in this year, 2023, thinks that he's saying, and the people that surround him, and I've I've tried to say that as well, that mm. certainly the Pope has said confusing things, but a lot of the people that he has appointed as cardinals, the people in the various offices of the Vatican, they haven't said confusing things. They've said things that contradict the deposit of faith. And the Pope has put them in place. So it really, it frustrates me. If he disagrees with what they're saying, he's the Pope. He can clear it up very quickly, very simply, and say, mm. this is what we believe as Catholics. Mm. Steve, Instead, Steve. the Pope cleared up what, what he disagreed with about with Bishop Strickland. Yeah, exactly. I'll, Steve, I'll, I'll, you take us out because this has been too long. This is like a Lofton video, but I will just say this. That's the <laughs> one minor thing I disagree with Strickland on. I, Pope Francis has been very, very clear. I, I don't I don't like the rhetorical point that Catholics fall into about all of Francis's lieutenants like Casper and uh, Gottfried Daniels and, and McCarrick and Heiner Vilmer and Tucho Fernandez and all the, the scum and villainy that are his best friends. They're all less accountable than him. Um, they've all spoken clearly but he's been really, really, he's been at worst vague. No, he, I, I could, I, I know this stuff really well, man. And I've followed this pontificate like no other pontificate. He has been crystal clear. He was crystal clear in, in the response to uh, the uh, Buenos Aires bishops saying, you have the only correct interpretation. Now that, that might come through the CDF, but that is him saying it at, you know, and and Tucho Fernandez might have been the ghost author behind Amoris Laetitia, but it was very, very clear. Pope Francis very, very clearly has said um, we can bless SS unions, and he very, very clearly took uh, uh, Ladaria out of office after that. And he very, very clearly took Strickland out of office. With great power comes great responsibility. Um, when you're in charge, more, you have more responsibility. Everyone in the world acknowledges that, except for you know who? Catholics. 
Catholics because they, they start worshiping the Pope. They really do. Protestants used to say it. I used to say, you're wrong. Last 10 years, I say, oh, Pro Protestants must have convinced us something false about ourselves. A lot of Catholics worship the Pope and they'll say, it's all it's all the uh, our employees' fault or the middle manager's fault. No, it is the head of the business. Yeah. Everyone in business agrees, aside from Catholics, who Pope's blame for the Pope. So as one thing, one little thing, your Excellency, I, I would take issue with. Francis has been more clear than his uh, than his lieutenants on on doctrine, and it's it's bad. It's clearly bad. But let's just play the ball as it lies. Steve, you take us out, man. Yeah, listen, I I just have one question about Fernandez's name. It's Tucho. Well, it's what Victor Manuel Fernandez. But, okay, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> they, they call him Tucho. I call him Tucho because yeah, right. Tochere, <laughs> You know, that's not a great look, but that's no. irrelevant. Listen, heal me with your mouth. Heal me with your mouth. <laughs> no, Michael Lofton defended that. He defended Tucho on that, which I also thought was really interesting. At the end of the day, I, I think this has been a great opportunity to talk about sophistry and gaslighting. And the real problem is this. We've been so conditioned in this age of, of materialism and to judge by appearances that we are really, really susceptible to guys like Michael Lofton, who may have learned a few facts but then substitute those facts without the unity of being that comes from the essence of truth. So we're in a lot of trouble with guys like him. And it's up to it's it's up to guys like you, Tim, to get out there and help people make that distinction between the sophist and the philosopher and to seek after the truth and to subordinate ourselves. That's my close. Well, will you will you come on and do this Heiner Vilmer video with me and we'll we'll tie it back to this? To Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, let's do it tomorrow. Okay, let's do it tomorrow because I, I I really I really like I like I like doing this with you and I think um, yeah I, I think you you have a different voice from mine and I think uh, I think a lot of people are seeing maybe in way I've done a million shows on the Pope and I think I think people are seeing what the big picture is here the, mm -hmm. the Strickland demotion has to be the jumping the shark I've thought the last twenty different material heresies or gags were the jumping of the shark. Right. Francis, but people, it seems to be Strickland. A lot yeah. of people are like, oh, I have to pick. Strickland yeah. loves the deposit of faith and the Pope demoted him yeah. for his commitment to the deposit of faith. I, I get it. So that's for, really for important reason, to God is yeah. good. As long whatever it takes, I don't care about the the people out there that are slow to get it. Take the point. People seem to be getting it after this demotion. Bishop Strickland, sir, your excellency. I you know, you were like the white martyr that seemed to be red pilling a lot of people that had their heads in the sand before. A lot of American Catholics are like, oh, I get I get it now. This is this is a Francis problem, not not a Strickland problem. That's right. God bless. God, God bless. Still, Steve, we'll be back Absolutely. tomorrow then. God bless you. Yeah, Happy Sunday, everyone. Sorry, this video was. No, I'm not even going to say that. I, I love I love doing <laughs> salty videos. And, yeah. and um, listen, if. If you want to support Michael Lofton, go listen to some Michael Loft jams, some Loft Dog jams. He's got some rap. There's there's a there's a, a rap video where he's like in like a it looks like a retirement home. Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, <laughs> go out on the retirement I'm home. Keep it real with you on my baby and mama. Oh well, yeah. Let's dude. Come on, Lofton. Jams. Response to Loft Dog. In the in the chat, I'm gonna keep it real with you, all my baby and mama. Oh, what the fit to do for the fit? Yeah, like so. Let's do 
Here it is. I'd love to hear it. Let's go. Boom. That really is an, an old people's home, actually. When you started out with here with little signs and letters, yeah, I wonder how did we get in this crisis? But then I know that the solution is living in righteousness. My life is him and in Christ. Remember, I'm in the station as our mission in life. He's based on this body, no sin in his life. There's no more love in his strife because we are this for life. Yeah. He's going to keep yes. it real with you on your baby mama. Oh, right. So, but what you can't see, because I just do things the the boomer techie way, is in the video, he's like in what appears to be like retirement homes, maybe over Thanksgiving or some holiday where these um, old folks are, are visiting their, their great grandchildren. And he's like rapping in like the dining room of uh, like, like Grace. Uh, Humble lesson home. Yeah, yeah, like it kind of like whatever, like Grace Sampson's home. It's either a convalescent home or like old Grace, where she's out having a brunch and maybe buying Christmas shopping for her her twenty six great grandkids. And he, it, it looks like he's in her home, like rapping at the dining room table with like all the old old lady tchotchkes everywhere. It's it's perverse. Classical theist made a hilarious tweet yesterday where he's like. Michael Lofton is the most strange combination of like wig dog, wig dog uh, raps and jams and like Pope splaining weird Novus Ordo apologia. Uh, he, he framed it better, but uh, <laughs> it's still strange. <laughs> it's odd. It's odd. Yeah. Classical theist really nailed that one. All right, yeah. Steve, we'll be back tomorrow. All right, buddy. Um, until then, Mamba out. Wow. Thanks for having me, Tim. Good to see you. Yeah. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.